So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media? Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the this is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. The studio is getting a little old for this show here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We had to get away, and we will be on the road not only today, but tomorrow as well. Welcome to the Best Bet Jacksonville. Brent Martin, Austin Lane along shortly. We actually take the wall that says it all, so we'll have that coming up on the show. What are some of the Jags' problems when it comes to the red zone again, and especially short yardage situations? And what does Gardner Minshew give the Jags, maybe, that Nick Foles was not giving the Jacksonville Jaguars? That will be some of the conversation. But uh, welcome to the Best Bet here on a Thursday. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Good to be out of the studio, away from Coos, although Coos, I think, is going to join us. Do we have, like, two folks back there today? It's Coos, and I think Scott's there as well. I mean, we are yeah, well-guarded today. I'm we sure. are we are hanging out right now. We are conquering all issues. I mean, this, should be the, this should be the best show ever. Well, from a, don't don't put that expectation on us. <laughs> I mean, from a technical standpoint, we got backups amongst backups. And, uh, Coos, I hope you're ready. Are you a good uh, poker player? I uh, only ever play uh, around this time of the year when I do this tournament, but I have made it a personal goal to do better than Austin. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Mark Kay uh, puts on an event uh, from, uh, obviously, uh, WAPE Cards for a Cause. The Ho, 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 Hold'em Returns. Uh, this is the third annual, I believe, and it goes to benefit uh, kids around the holidays and, and getting them gifts. And so some money will be raised tonight for a good cause. And a lot of the uh, Cox Media Group and uh, radio and TV folks uh, will be on here, hand here uh, to play their hand. Uh, in this uh, celebrity poker tournament, and that includes the guy listed here, Coos, is DJ Koozie. I know. I, I'm not happy about that, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, Megan Lane, uh, Nick Franklin, uh, Major League Baseball player, uh, Allie McDeal, she's fantastic, Christy Turner from Action News Jacks, Aaron will be here from the, the Eagle, 96.9. Derek Odom from our Action News Jacks team. He'll be doing the traffic updates here at the Celebrity uh, uh, Poker Tournament. Tank is along his way. Taylor Lynn, a model. And I can't leave out. Uh, there's probably one person I will leave out anyway. But there's one person I can't leave out because his picture on here. I'm just wondering why Austin Lane isn't doing the show shirtless today. <laughs> so, first of all, i got to say, yeah, I'm happy to be doing this for a great cause, obviously, and I enjoy playing poker, and I understand this is for charity. But how much do you have to pump the gas for charity when you have to show a picture of me with my shirt off flexing without a smile on my face? Everyone else is like, you know, just a nice wholesome look to them. And here you have me, and I assume this is Mark Kay's doing, me just standing and flexing, getting ready to fight somebody. Yeah, I mean, I think you look um, the second most intimidating on there. That's fun. But uh, could, I'm sorry, that's we, kind of the, the stuff that we have to deal with on a regular basis right here, too. So, you know, you're coming in flexing on us on the regular. So <laughs> get out there and do your thing and scare them at the tables, bro. 
I yeah. guess so. I'm like, I gotta be honest, man. When I when I saw my picture, I'm like, so do I actually have to walk in with my shirt off? Like, will there be like a table of like you know older ladies that are expecting me to have my shirt off? Like, is this some <laughs> is this some kind of like strip is celebrity the, poker is this thing? The draw? Like, dude, I had no idea. You're coming man. in with entrance music, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely, man. Stone Cold Steve Austin for That's sure. Awesome. Forget about that poker face. Oh You're no, just gotta sure. rip your shirt off. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, by the way, you look like 20 pounds heavier in that photo. Uh, that was taken about like a year and a half ago. That was before I... Were you think... heavier then? No, I was about the same, man. I was just... Uh, I must you have been flexing be really flexing. good. Yeah. That must be one big Well, flex. especially it's, it's outside, too, which is even extra aggressive. But... <laughs> and I remember that photo shoot, so it was for like the UFC stuff, right? So we had to stand outside of my house in the middle of the street. And, uh, you know, it's like the middle of fall, so it's chilly. And I got to like literally model and like, you know, have my shirt so off the What's the, the neighbors time. thinking? Uh, I'm sure everybody in the neighborhood was like, I don't know what's going well, on. What is going on yeah. here? Yeah. Uh, this kid's getting off the school bus. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, I think my own wife thought that, so I can only imagine what the neighbors uh, were. Yeah, doing. absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Coos, uh, we're going to give away a spot in the tournament, too, right? Am I, do I have that correct? No false advertising? I think we might do I don't know if Coos is still there, but I think he told me we will. So we'll cool. do that uh, sooner than later okay. so you have the time to come over here. But if you're interested, uh, stay alert on that front. Well, stay alert on any net news for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and anytime there's news for the Jaguars, it's usually not good right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I said this on Twitter. I said, if you just, if there's anything, any decision the Jaguars made, post-draft, minus the draft, however you want to word it, it was probably default of a bad decision by now. And sure. Miles Jack, they paid him, has not had a good year in my estimation. You know, when coaches and Todd Walsh say, hey, if you ask Miles, it'd be up and down. He could be more consistent. That means th the translation there is had a bad year. It's not good. It hasn't had a good year. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've talked enough about it. I, I think if Miles was right here, he'd say the same thing. It hasn't been a good year. And uh, it got worse because now he goes on injured reserve and he won't finish the final four yeah. games. And it is a knee injury. And, you know, whether that relationship is already going to talk tie people back to, oh, no, the knee. Mm -hmm. um, you know, keep in mind, the concern around his knee coming out of the draft was that it would be it would degenerate, you yeah. know, uh, yeah. along I mean, the way. It was like, it was, it was like a time bomb, basically. Yeah. You had like four or five years, and all of a sudden there was like the big question mark of if he could play anymore. Yeah, I don't think we're on that part of this story. Well, and keep here. in mind, this is his opposite knee, too. It's not the same knee. Yes, so yeah. that's, I mean, this is not... This is not the so I, what I want to try to do is don't the, the two aren't related. Correct. The knee yeah. was this whole red flag dropped into the second round, allowed the Jags really I thought to get a steal, and I still think you know from a second round draft pick standpoint very good. Now from the pain and the money on Labor Day, uh, I'm not sure that hasn't worked so well just yet. And we've had discussions about Miles's should he be in the middle, should he be playing weak side, whatever it is, just hasn't been a good year, and now he goes on the shelf uh, for the remainder of it. So we'll see Donald Payne again, and this is the time of year when you, you add up losses. And then what is accentuated by losses, even though the Jags were pretty healthy coming out of the bye week, mm -hmm. is they will start to get injuries because that's what happens late in the football season. Guys go down. And when they go down, it makes matters worse. And when you're not playing well and you're not a good football team and you lose guys, well, it makes it really worse. And it's hard to cover them up. Yeah. Sometimes, so we'll see uh, what happens with Donald Payne. I thought he played a decent football game. The yeah, more I mean, folks you very... ask, it was like, well, he had some highlight moments, but yeah, on a whole, he was just okay. Well, and that's kind of where I was, Brent, on on Monday. You know, after the game, we kind of talked about it a little bit. Where if you look at the box score, you look at the stats. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the guy put up. Uh, I think he was leading the the team in tackles. You know, I think he had a sack and um, also the interception. So. 
from that perspective, I mean, he, he had a full day for sure. But now I think he obviously left some plays on the table. Now, will, will those plays come around when he gets more experience? Possibly. We've got to keep in mind, too, I think, isn't Jake Ryan, isn't he available now as well? Yeah, so, I and mean, how much do they want to get him involved? They activated yeah. him to the roster last week. He was active, mm-hmm. but... You know, where do they see him in there? Mm-hmm. And as we get a little closer to the game, maybe we'll get a better indication of that. Will he play the last couple of games, few games? Can he get in the final four games? I, I just don't know. That has been a mystery, you know, where sure. he has been. I, there was a time, I remember about a month and a half ago, it, Doug Marone was asked about him. It was almost like he forgot he was on the roster. <laughs> yeah. Know? Because yeah. nobody had really said anything about Jake Ryan in that long. So, uh, listen, it's almost to the point where does it matter? Who's in or who's out? The Jags have to find a way. They have to scratch and claw and find a way. We've talked about it all week. You know, what does a win mean? To the fan base, eh, it means a nice Monday morning. To this football team, it probably means a lot more. It's got guys' names on it. Uh, I was thinking about this a little bit when hearing Gardner Minshew talk, and they probably don't think of it this way in the moment. But especially as a quarterback Mm -hmm. and as a coach for Doug Marone, your win-loss record means something. If you're the linebacker, the win-loss record really doesn't mean much. You know, I'm saying to your name. When you look back in three years, we're going to say, hey, Gardner Minshew played a lot of games and he was six and five or he was four and seven. Of course. You know what I mean? There's a difference there. A lot goes to it. And that's, you know, that... The, the more you can be on the plus side of that, the better you look. Ron Rivera, right? I, I brought it up. I, th- I said, if you look at Ron Rivera's record, six out of the nine years, he was under 500. Correct. Six out of the nine years, under yeah. 500. To me, that doesn't scream, wow. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but those other years and were won, 12 successful. Wins, 11 wins. Correct. He put him in a position, and, and those look good on his resume so much so that he's got a winning record mm-hmm. in the NFL. So that's my point. Like, these games are important from that standpoint, and I think they're really important mostly for, I would say, a handful of guys. The quarterback, because his name's going to be on it. Yep. The coach, name's mm-hmm. definitely attached to it, maybe more than anybody else. Correct. And even Caldwell well, and Coughlin. Obviously the GM for sure, because I think no other person is tied closer to the quarterback than the GM, where if you have a quarterback that suffers, the GM's probably going to be gone, right? And Dave Caldwell, we're looking at it, He's really had three opportunities to make this right. Oh, uh, uh, well, I, I guess two, two regimes. opportunities. Yeah, two yeah. regimes. But, um, yeah, I mean, usually the, like, the first sign of the GM's going to be gone is the quarterback play, you know. And a lot of those GMs that we talk about that get let go after a couple of years, it's tied to who they draft as a quarterback. And that's the only telling factor. It doesn't matter how the rest of the draft was. If you draft a bad quarterback, you're probably going to be gone as well. And, and so my point of this conversation is, yeah, they're 4-8. and eight. And does it matter if they got to 8-8? and eight? Does it matter if they got to 7-9? and nine? Does it matter if they got to 6-10? and 10? No, probably not. They're not going to the playoffs. I'm not sure how many how it would make anybody feel better. In fact, if they well, ended up 8-8, eight and eight, I would sit here and say, like, gosh, did they blow that? Listen, but did I was they gonna, blow their chance yeah. in November? No, I hear you. But at the same time, we got to remember now, I've, I've been very adamant about this, where those last games, especially the last one at home against Indianapolis, I mean, Say what you want, but if you win that game against the Colts, you at least carry a little momentum going into the off season yeah. because it's the last thing you have to think about. And, and, and you know, and when you're busting your butt in OTAs, when you're doing training camp, I mean, you remember that last game more than anything. So from that perspective, I think the Jaguars, especially the guys in that locker room, they want to end on a good note. Now, 
for, for, for the draft position, I think fans would say, eh, if you want to you know, throw in the towel a little bit, <laughs> we're, we're not going to be against that. But, but I'll tell you what, those players in that locker room, man, there, there is pride on the line, and sometimes that's the most important thing. So I think they definitely want to win. Yeah, and those were, again, those, it might not be right now that they consider what their record is, but three years down the road they'll look back and say 8-8 eight and eight compared to 4-12, and 12, that was a big difference. Sure. Because 8-8 eight and eight is kind of what the NFL is built at. That's obviously average, but some people would say even 8-8 eight and eight's not bad in the NFL, inside NFL circles. It's not where you want to be. Yeah. But it's not bad to be 8-8. Eight and eight. So I do think there's a lot of um, jockeying for optics, if you will, on these this final month of the well, year. And, and I have zero faith that they're going to be able to get to an 8-8, eight and eight, a 7, and whatever. I don't know if they're going to win another game. And when we talked about this two weeks ago, I was like, oh, heck yeah, they'll win another two games. Maybe they'll even win three games. I don't know if I have that feeling anymore. Sure. The only thing that would give you that feeling is maybe Mitchu comes in, plays well, energizes them. But I'm still going to have to see it before I believe it. And a big takeaway, too, we got to remember as well is, granted, the coaching staff, maybe the front office, they're not going to be here next year. But the players in that locker room right now, going through all this adversity and everything, going through all these losses, you find out what kind of guys you have because they will weed themselves out. The, the, the guys that are in it for the paycheck that aren't really in it for the, you know, the Jaguars way, they, they will show themselves. And I, I guarantee, regardless if the front office is going to be gone or not, that will trickle down to either, or that will trickle up to either, you know, Shad Khan or Tony Khan, and they'll get word of that. And if the new regime comes in, that information will be relayed to the new guys. Be like, hey, these guys from the season, yeah, we didn't win a lot of games, but these were are the core guys we want to have going forward because they have the mentality to go forward. By the way, what you're talking about is exactly what Nick Foles was trying to relay yeah. to people. Okay. Right. I mean, that culture stuff that he was oh, talking about. yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. even though it's not looking good right now, this is where it's done. You know, it is yeah. what he's trying to convey. Sure. It, it's what, if you talk to Chris Conley, it might be, come across in a different way. But yeah. on Monday nights, that's what he's, he's a veteran. He's trying to convey that message. Calais Campbell tonight on Jaguars All Access, yeah. I think he'll try to convey that message. Might say it in a different way. The other yeah. way kind of rubbed people the wrong way well, because of the foals. And well, and, and I understand, and, like, you can but, say the culture. Like, to me, it's just about you're trying to play for your job, right? Yeah, because if, yeah. if you give everything you have still at the end of the season, you're losing, they're going to take note of that and they're going to want you back on the team. But there's one other thing about it to me. I said, you know, a lot of people, I think you said it a couple weeks ago, maybe the most disappointing season in franchise history. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I don't believe that's even close because last year was that. Uh, last year was, you had the excuses, though, Brent. You had the excuses, but the high of coming off 2017, the expectation of, wow, we're one step away, just natural expectation, the 3-1 and one start. To me, it's not – and, again, we can differ on opinion. That's oh, fine. Absolutely. But I'm just saying, last year to me was by far the most disappointing season that I've been around for this franchise, and I think it would be one or two in franchise history. This year has the feel of – same old Jags, same old Jags. See, and there's a difference there because last year you say, okay, that was the most disappointing season and they did have a bunch of injuries and this is why it went awry, so let's fix it and see if it can be better. Mm. The difference this one is same old Jags is same old Jags is equates to losing. And so that's where I think any win for this organization fends that off for another week, fends that narrative off. You get stuck in these things, man. I didn't believe it until in Buffalo until two weeks ago. They were 7-3, and three and I didn't believe in them. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're Buffalo. Yeah. Well, same thing's going to happen to Jacksonville. When they do turn it around, people won't buy it until they do it for year after year after year and change the narrative. So any win, even this late in the season, I think helps spend that off a little bit. Those are just little building blocks, baby steps. But that's why it's better. In some respects, it's almost better not to pick in the top ten. You know, from from a from an outside looking in standpoint, sure. it's like, oh, I guess who's picking the top ten again? Yeah. The Jags, mm-hmm. right? I 
in my opinion, from a narrative standpoint, from a look at this this organization, from trying to flip the script out of this decade, maybe into the next decade, I think being 16th in the draft order <laughs> might be okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. and you know, and getting back to, I guess, you know, the, the term of the most disappointing team. See, to me, it's this season just from simply the fact that I get it. Back in 2007, oh, I'm sorry, 2018, I mean, every talking head and then ESPN, they were picking the Jacksonville Jaguars yeah. to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, that, that, that was the hot. Like, we had no choice that, locally but to pick up the Super Of course. I mean, the, it was and, a year to do and, it. And you know what? And I, I was the guy that was calling everybody back home uh, after they beat the Patriots. Oh, get your Super Bowl tickets right now because you better get them because the Jaguars are going. Like, it was a guarantee for me. So I understand that part, Brent. But when you tell me that a team loses nine offensive linemen, when a team loses their star running back and Leonard Fournette, when you tell me that T.J. Yeldon is now your, your bell cow, quote-unquote, um, when you tell me that their defense is playing pretty well, but their quarterback play is Blake Bortles, I go, but of course. But, but, but of course they, 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 they couldn't succeed. But of course they, you know, they didn't really meet expectations. This year is different, though, from the fact that you don't have the injuries as an excuse. And let's be honest, Brent, when we're talking during the preseason, when we're talking during the training camp, I think we both agreed on the fact that we're talking offensive line. We don't really worry about it. I wasn't. I and, was and, wrong, and I'll be honest. But I well, and I'll admit it too. I was wrong as well. I thought, you know what? Offensive line, Juwan Taylor got him in the second round. I thought it was a steal. I think they're going to be locked up by offensive line. They're going to be okay. Well, they've been a disappointment. Um, you know, some of the, the offense sometimes has shown glimpses, but it's been stagnant as well. But the biggest disappointment, obviously, what's, what's been the identity for the past three or four years has been their defense, their defensive line. And that's been the biggest disappointment to me. So when you put those things together, to me, this season has probably been the most disappointing, in my opinion. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and, and, again, everybody's got their own of opinion course. Yeah. on that side of things. We're going to take a timeout. We're at the Best Bet Jacksonville. We've got a big uh, celebrity poker tournament coming up tonight. Austin Lane will be a part of it. Kuz will be a part of it, but uh, we've got a few hours of sports talk before we get to all that. I'm in a good mood. Tiger Woods, six under, bogey-free. Good round here today. That's boy, man. All right. Pop back into contention at the Hero Challenge. You know, he won't finish worse than 18th. There's only 18 players uh, in the field, so I got that going for me. Yeah. I thought of something today. Okay. And it's got something to do with the Minshew and Foles jockeying. And also a little bit goes back to even the, the Bortles jockeying last year of the quarterback position. Okay. Doug Marone's now had to change, I think, six different times back and forth. How about that? The last two years. Mm-hmm. That is that is not winning football. No, it is not. But I do have a question about the mid-shoe foals especially, given the last uh, few weeks when we come back. We go to the wall that says it all. we got a lot to get to today. Uh, going to be a lot of fun. Hang out with us. Best bet in Jacksonville on ESPN 690. Hey, this is Dennis Anderson, the driver of Grave Digger Monster Truck, the baddest monster truck in the land. You're listening to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. So now you're just playing for just a, you know, just the kind of nature, you know, love of the game, uh, for pride, you know, and, uh, and for one another. And so, you know, uh, yeah, I, I want to finish this year very strong and just, you know, fire off a couple wins, you know, finish the year with a good taste in the mouth and something that we can build on in the offseason, you know. That is Calais Campbell, and that's the way to approach this uh, season. Yeah, you have your good and your bad, and Calais has had both mm-hmm. uh, in his career, so he knows how to kind of handle this. Well, you don't want to handle this part of it, He's but, uh, but you got to be able to do that. All right, uh, I'm going to get to the, the question I have. 
And Calais Campbell is a guy that will keep a locker room or at least has good perspective on a locker room. And we had a lot of talk last week coming off that football game on Sunday about the Jaguars locker room and where it was and could they keep it together. And there hasn't been a lot of residual from that this week. No, so, there's um, many fallout. Nope. Which, uh, which I pretty much, I mean, I, at least I said there wouldn't be. A, those things happen all the time. Yeah, yeah. You, you're not alarmed by that. Yeah. Uh, and, and you just wonder where it goes from at, at this time of things. Mm-hmm. But, but my thought is a little bit different, and I don't think the two are related. But I, I highly doubt they're related, in fact. Going from Minshew to Foles, and then falls to Minshew two and a half games later. As a former player, if you're in that locker room, does that have the potential to hurt the dynamic of a locker room and start creating sides? Yeah. You know my point? No, I absolutely get your point. And listen, I think there were sides when there was the fact of, do you play Nick Foles or do you play Gunnar Minshew when Nick Foles gets healthy? This is long before... You know, it ended up kind of separating itself out, and Minshew played a bad game in London, and then Foles came back, the writing was on the wall. But I'm saying leading up to that, I think there was, you know, there's kind of two sides to it where, you know, Foles is the, is the season vet, but Minshew's been winning ball games. So from that perspective, Brent, especially I think, and it's funny because I, I talk about the clicks all the time in the locker room. Yes. And my gut tells me that the older guys, the vets in that locker room, wanted Nick Foles. And the younger guys, you know, the the first, second year, maybe even third year guys would want Gardner Minshew because he's the fresh, he's the new exciting guy. But the older you get in the NFL, you do you realize how important experience is, how important, you know, the leadership aspect is. So from that perspective, I think there was more actually leading up to who was going to start between Minshew and Foles. Now this past week when they benched Foles and they brought Minshew back in, if I'm a player in that locker room, I get it, man, because – Nick Foles has not been playing well, you know, and you can kind of get the sense of that when they brought Minshew in, there was that spark, you know, there was that spark on offense. So whether there's a team divided right now saying should Foles be able to play some more, I I, I mean, there might be a couple guys in that locker room. I think there's always a couple guys in that locker room that that would think that. But overall, I think you have to look at who gives you the best chance to win. Even right now, you know, when we're so deep in the season, who gives you the best chance to win? And right now, I can honestly say I think it's Gardner Minshew. Yeah, and, and I guess you know, from a the playoffs have checked out for this football team. So yeah, th- so right now there might be like, well, it doesn't matter. Let's just go win a game. Which, and which, which is very true right? as well. You know, so yeah, I, yeah. I understand that, but I think. It's interesting. you got this outside swell, and we hear it every day, and we talk to folks every day, call in, listen to the show, and we're involved in that part of the world. But I think you're, you were right. I think the locker room, and, and I actually think more of the locker room, most of the locker room was certainly okay with going to Nick Foles mm. because there's one thing about players, and players respect the trophy. And there's a cachet, and I've talked to some of these guys about it and just been trying to get the dynamic, and this was before this little slide, but it's like, man, how much cachet does that add? You oh, know, it's, to have, it's, and it is, it's absolutely everything. It's man. everything. Yeah. And so while some folks be like, well, Nick Foles never really proved it. He never survived a 16-game season. I don't really think he's that good, blah, blah, blah. From a player's standpoint, the fact that he has held the Lombardi Trophy yeah. and he was the MVP of that game, and I had a couple of players say this, and he outdueled Tom Brady. Correct. So... That uh, while you might not consider that as lofty as as 
maybe the players, the players consider that a huge thing. Well, and, and listen, the, the, the road to the Super Bowl, man, it's a long and tedious process, and hardly anybody gets ever experienced that moment. You know, I mean, that's what I played for. But Nick Foles has been there, so he he showed he he knows the way basically, right? So players absolutely gravitate towards that because it's such a rare occurrence, especially being a Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, and again, I think I've had players say, and the Brady factor is a big thing there because there's so much respect for Tom Brady. The fact the how they won that Super Bowl mm-hmm. is like, well, man, you know, they want the stories, right? They want to yeah. hear about it this spring and when they first met Nick Foles. Tell me the story. Tell me yeah. the story about that game. No doubt they want well, that. So, well, so it'll be, go ahead. Well, just to put that part of it, if you go back to the bye week, I would say, yeah, there might have been people, man, the guy had a bad game in London, he's been a lot of fun, he's playing well, but I would say, if you took a vote at that time, mm-hmm. yeah, we're all on board with Nick, we're all on board, I, I won't say it's almost unanimous, Yeah. that, hey, we're on board with, with Nick, maybe Michael Walker, uh, what's his name, Minshew's roommate, would said, maybe not. No, yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I'm just making that no, up. No, yeah, 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 but, yeah. but my point is, they were, just like Doug Marone, and just in that building, even though maybe we were a little divided out here, you yeah. said, hey, let's ride with Minshew. I don't really think there was a divided locker room coming out of the box. No, without a doubt. You know, and, and you said a really important thing. It's like, hey, you know, Foles, like a little tale of stories about going to the Super Bowl. And, and that's important because players want to know that as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, players, take, players will absolutely right? gravitate towards that. But the biggest thing, in my opinion, and I compare this to, and I know a lot of Jaguar fans are going to cringe when I say this name. He kind of got a bad reputation on his way out. But we were pretty close with Aaron Ross. Aaron Ross from the New York Giants when he came here from New York. Right? Vacation and guy. He was the vacation guy. But he's a Super Bowl winner, he Super was, Bowl champion, yeah. all right? So w- when he got to the Jaguars, you know, I mean, he was one of the only guys that would play in a Super Bowl. That's, that, right. that's won a Super Bowl. So obviously, being on defense especially, I gravitated towards that. And I asked him, like, dude, what did it take and everything? But the biggest takeaway that I got from Aaron Ross, and it's the same thing with Nick Foles. Coaches want to bring these guys in. Coach, coaches want to bring the Super Bowl winners in because they can show you the way. But at the same time, there's no way Nick Foles is going to come here and be like, all right, well, here's what we did in Philly. Here's what we got to do to win. Absolutely. I understand I that. that. Yeah, you get that. But at the same time, Brent, you don't have the Philadelphia Eagles here. All right? You don't have the Philadelphia Eagles culture. Just like Aaron Ross, when I was talking to him, the, the New York Giants culture at the time wasn't in Jacksonville. You know, and it was very adamant when we're, we started losing game after game after game. Aaron was just like, dude, this this isn't how we do it in New York. But, like, what else we get? You know, I mean, it's just th- there's one thing to come from it and be like, yeah, here's what we did. Here's what we did. But the question is, do you have the culture, do you have the belief, and do you have the players, most importantly, to be able to kind of duplicate that success? And sometimes you really don't. Yeah, and you don't like Aaron Ross anymore, right? I, I don't mind him, man. Oh, no. You, yeah. like, our oh. ratings just went down. Oh, well, tell, so- tell him you hate him. <laughs> Sorry, like man. Him. I can't, can't like stand him. him. Sorry, don't Aaron, tell man. Me Jacksonville, you came here for a vacation. I don't like Aaron Ross anymore. Uh, I'm allowed to. So I'll I mean, tell you what, though, man. His wife would be anybody in a yeah, race any would. day of the week, man. Yes. She was uh, a just Sonia. Uh, Sonia Richards Ross. Ross. Richards yeah. Ross. Yep, Sonia Richards Ross. Uh, and she actually she came and talked to the team, too. Yeah. Man. She was uh, really cool. Malarkey did a good job with that. That was cool. With that whole thing. That yeah. was pretty cool when yeah. he did it. Um, the So, from some of the Super Bowl telling story, in my opinion, mm-hmm. the spring when you first meet the guy and you want the stories, and then where it could come back. Now, I know you don't take the Eagles with you or the Giants, in your case, with you. But if you end of the season, if you're around this time of year, mm-hmm. or maybe even a couple weeks down the road or get to January, then those stories start coming back. Of hey, course. Nick, stand up in front. Tell us a little bit about what you went through. How did you do this? How did you take care of your body? How did all these kind of things? That's where I think it probably resonates a sure. little bit more. Maybe at the beginning, oh, wow, and then later on. All right, so that's kind of the set in the scene. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, where I think you could get the locker room dynamic to go split, mm-hmm. and that might, oh, I shouldn't say it might have. I mean, could it happen? 
could it have happened at all? Is it like that in the last few weeks? All right, man. Play psychology. I, I love this stuff, man. Yeah, because, and, and again, I don't think these things are related. We haven't really even seen signs of that. But yeah. I think you're messing around with something when you make all these moves, especially at that position, that you could do that. Yeah. Especially with the losses piling up, too. Continue that conversation next on ESPN 690. Live from the Best Bet Jacksonville. Come on out tonight. Little ho, 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 hold them tournament. Austin Lane, play against them. Beat them. Raise some money for charity. It's on the way. Good play luck tonight. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30. Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. It's going to come, you know, I try not to rush it. Uh, try not to even think about it too much. You know, right now, the main focus is to go. This is a W on the boat. You know, we haven't won in almost like a month. You know, so that's hard, you know, especially uh, just knowing the hard work you put in. You have to come back after a loss each and every week and come back and practice and doing the same routine. So uh, just trying to, trying to get out those slums right now. Well, that's Leonard Fournette today talking about this losing streak, and he answered it after the game on Sunday, too. You know, I asked him, how hard is it to kind of keep your composure right now? And he, <laughs> it's tempting, man. It is tempting. So you yeah. got to appreciate the honesty. shows you how tough it is. And um, losing stinks uh, in the NFL, and uh, the Jaguars are going through it. Losing stinks anywhere, but uh, they're going through it in a big-time way uh, right now. All right, let's finish this conversation about quarterbacks. We've got some interesting things but, uh, coming out of John D. Filippo's uh, news conference today as well that we'll get to at some point. But uh, before the break, we're talking. Uh, the question I had that I just was kind of thinking of, when you jockey back and forth between QBs, especially a guy with a Super Bowl title yeah. and a rookie six-round pick who really has no – really earned equity in the NFL. I mean, and players look at that stuff, right? I mean, it's one thing if you played 10 years in the league or five years in the league or accomplished this in the league versus the guy just coming in, it's a show-me league. Of I mean, course. Josh Allen, extreme talent, everybody would say that, but they weren't really ready to put him in the Hall of Fame inside that locker room. They had to show them that he was a good player. You have to earn your stripes. Man. Absolutely, and I think he's starting to do that. He's getting more comfortable inside that locker room as well. Uh, you get the sense of that. And he's been super comfortable on the football field. So my curiosity was about this QB position. And we, t- we took it all the way up until after the bye. And we said, okay, this is no-brainer. I think most people say, uh, yeah, Nick Foles. Uh, he's the guy. He's got the, the Super Bowl. He, they brought him in here for $88 million. He's done it. We believe in him. We saw him in spring. We saw him in training camp. We, we're riding now. We're, it's time to go. Yeah. Uh, we're four and five, but it's time to go. Well, then it doesn't go. Yeah. And... So it's two and a half games, and it's back to Minshew. And it was interesting because somebody picked up on the sideline. I can't remember who it was exactly. But I think A.J. Boye came over to Minshew after they started getting things going, and maybe it was a touchdown throw or something like that. And he, his quote was like, you a dog, bro, you know, yeah. said something like that. And that shows that respect for, hey, man, that's a way to get it done, you know. We just want to get it done. We want to win. We want to feel juice, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I, I understand it. Um, but will there be a segment of that locker room that says, I watched this tape on offense, mm-hmm. and our offensive line stinks. We've got guys dropping passes, wrong assignments because they've only been here for a couple of weeks. And you took the guy that won the Lombardi Trophy out after two and a half games, and you're keeping him out? Yeah. I know the fans aren't saying that, but come with me on this as, you, as, as we're talking about it. I'm saying, will the players be that? And it doesn't have to be all of them. See, that's what happens. Then you get the divide. 
Will there be some? And I just couldn't sit here and tell you. I think when you said, hey, were there some young players that would have liked to ride with Minshew? Yeah, maybe. But I believe if I had asked them privately, all 53 would have said, let's go, Nick. Let's go, Nick. I wonder if I did the same thing this week, if everybody would be, let's go, Minshew. Let's go, Minshew. I just don't, I can't get there in my mind. I don't see any evidence of it. By the way, I don't hear any evidence of it in the locker room. But I wonder if there's a little bit of that bubbling underneath those clicks. There's some talking going on in receivers' rooms, offensive line rooms, and maybe even coaching rooms. It's a a great question that raises a lot here. You said it was A.J. Boyd that called him a dog, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Brent. So the the phrase uh, a dog, as you know, but some people listening may not realize, is that, you know, that's, one of the ultimate compliments you could ever receive as a professional athlete. You know, I mean, people called Kobe Bryant the dog, right? right? Because, like, it just it's the ability to put the game in your hands, to put the team on your back and say, come with me. You know, like, I have that type of mentality. So but let's think about this now. A.J. Boye, who I think is a very well-respected guy in that locker room, uh, plays on the defense, went out of his way to call Gardner Minshew a dog. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. The ultimate compliment That's as right. a football player. In four games that Nick Foles has been in, has there been any play that you can think of where it would warrant A.J. Boye, anybody on that defense, anybody that plays across from Nick Foles, to come to the sidelines and say, Foles, man, you're a dog? Can you think of any play? Well, I think it's one that he got hurt on. Yeah. 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 Possibly. I mean, I think that throw was so good that I think, say an A.J. Boye, like, I don't know how I would have defended that. Sure. I mean, that was such a good throw. And then there was one other throw he made uh, two weeks ago, I thought, down the left sideline. Uh-huh. I was like, that's why. Now, again, would, he, would it spark him to come over there? It would probably have to lead to a touchdown first. Mm-hmm. But my point is, those are the only two plays that I can remember Nick Foles making that were okay. like, whoa, okay, that's why they paid him $88 million. Those drop-in-the-bucket kind of throws. Fair but enough. I understand your point. There really hasn't been. And I'm not really sure there was a play that Minshew made that made them do that. I think mm-hmm. it was just the juice. Yeah. And the finishing off of a touchdown. Well, you know? it, it, it's the juice. It's the finishing off of the touchdown. It's coming in off the bench cold again and yeah. trying to save yeah, the yeah. day. Yeah, And That's true. These, these are instances where, Brent, we've seen them before. You know, I mean, I remember Denver when he scrambled out. I think he threw the ball to Armstead for the touchdown. I mean, I guarantee someone on that defense came over and said, dude, you're a dog. That was insane how you kept the play alive. So, for, from my perspective, I think you can point to a lot more times where you can say, dang, Venture, you're a dog, man. And sometimes... Being the dog, Brent, you know, sometimes just having that thing is more important than skill. It's even more important than experience in the moment because all that matters in football, Brent, is the moment. That's you know, right. it's it's the flow of the game and it's being in the moment. And so far what we've seen, Brent, and I think the Jaguars locker room would come along with me when I say as far as being in the moment and, you know, leading that team, I think Gardner Minshew's done a better job than Nick Foles. Okay, one last question on that front then. But if you're a player, especially a veteran player, you've seen it through. And maybe if you're a young player, do you sit there and say, man, they pulled the plug. I mean, I know this is a harsh business, but yeah. the guy's had two and a half weeks. He's coming off a broken clavicle. I mean, he's look at what's going on around him. Nothing's good right now mm-hmm. other than maybe Leonard Fournette and yeah. DJ Chark. I mean, that's it. So will there be anybody in that locker room? My point, I guess, to kind of cause any kind of split would be, I get this isn't a fair league, but that wasn't very fair. It's, to me, it's only guys that have close ties to Nick Foles. You know, like, for instance, maybe Chris Conley. Yeah, like you think Conley, like that. Yeah. I mean, I think of Chris Conley and possibly the rookies coming in because, let's be honest, some of the rookies aren't familiar with it. This is a cutthroat business. Yeah, it's yeah. a performance-based business. Yet. They have not experienced but, yet. But, but this, this isn't college. Right oh, here. absolutely, man. This isn't like college where, you know, you get your scholarship, you sign a dotted line, and pending you don't get arrested, you don't do anything foolish, you get that scholarship for four years. 
And the NFL, man, your time can come at any second. You're seeing that with Nick Foles now. So it's probably, to be honest, a rude awakening for some of the young guys in that locker room right now. Yeah, I would uh, suspect that would certainly be the case. It's a so you're not concerned about that. So I'm not. Just put a bow on the subject. Yeah, you're not. You think, hey, man, they're riding with. Does Does Minshew have to do some things though to fend off any of that? Uh, or, is mean, it, or is it just the fact that they're four and eight and the season's kind of no? Done? I mean, there is a little bit of that, but like I said, Brent, guys still want to win that locker room. So obviously, Minshew has to play to a high level, kind of build on what he's been doing before. So um, I, I definitely agree with that. But at the same time, I think, I mean, I knew it. Youth is a big thing, Brent, you know? When I was 27 years old, I sat in John Fox's office in Chicago, and I, he told me I was too old, and they're going to go in a younger direction. Yeah. You know, so once again, it is a cutthroat business, but I'm sure the players in the locker room, you know, pending the younger guys, they understand that usually if there's an even keel quarterback battle, they're going to go with the young guy because they can build around him in the future. All right, we're going to break from the Jags for just a moment. We're going to get back to the Jags at 4 o'clock, the wall that says it all, and what are, why can't the Jags get three feet? Yeah. And will show some play calling that appeared to change or at least look different when Minshew got in the game. Was that Minshew? Was that Filippo? Was that just the Jaguars moving? We're going to get to the wall that says it all in just a couple of minutes. But first, we go to the phone lines right now. I want to welcome in Ashley Martin, the uh, Flagler women's soccer coach. And a little historic run going on right now down in St. Augustine for Flagler. And what they've been able to do, the Saints are deep into the NCAA tournament in Division Two. Coach, how you doing? Good, thanks. How are you, Brent? Very good. Uh, you're on with uh, Brent Martineau and Austin Lane as well. And I don't know, Austin's a former Jags player. He fights in the MMA. I'm not sure if he could play goalie or if he's a good soccer player. I really don't know <laughs> his soccer prowess, uh, but we're about to find out. How much fun are you guys having down there at Flagler right now with this run deep into the NCAA tourney? Yeah, it's been an incredible season. I mean, 21-0-1 on the season so far, and... Um, we're hosting the the third round of the national tournament tomorrow at the uh, Flagler College Athletic Complex at 6 p.m. And um, it's, it's just been an incredible season. So many uh, milestones, and um, it's just been a real fun ride, to be honest. I would imagine it certainly has been. Uh, Wingate is up next. What do you know uh, about Wingate? And obviously you guys are full of confidence. You haven't lost a soccer match all season long. But what about the opponent coming in on uh, Friday night at 6 o'clock? I think they're going to be good. I mean, I don't think there's any team left in the competition now that isn't going to be a a good opponent. Um, Wingate, you know, they they like to possess the ball. They're, They're technically very good. Um, you know, we're heading in with a lot of confidence, as, as you mentioned. But um, you know, I, I think we've got uh, some real talent on the team this year, and, and more so, more than just the talent. I think we've got a real um, winning spirit and mentality with, within the team. They uh, they're hungry to, to win trophies. I mean, this year we won our, our, our two first trophies of, of the of the program's history in the NCAA period. And, um, and now we're looking to, to go and win the regional championship tomorrow. And, um, you know, we're, we're realistically four games away from being national champions. And, and you know, we're hungry to, to win those two remaining trophies. Coach, obviously you have a talented team, but with soccer, I mean, chemistry is so crucial to being successful on the field or, or on the pitch, as they call it, Brent. See, yeah, I, I, get it right. Yeah, see, <laughs> I, I know a little bit. But, Coach, I mean, did you know right away you're going to have a special team this season or did it take some games to try to identify that? When did you know that you guys could make a run in the playoffs here? 
Um, well, I, I think we had a, a, a we've had a good chemistry for the last couple of years, and the, the freshmen that came in this year have, have added an awful lot to, to the chemistry. So, um, you know, I, I think we've probably got the tightest team that we've ever had. I mean, they they, they really do enjoy spending time with each other, uh, both on and off the field, and. Um, you know, after the very first game of the season, you know, would I have envisioned a season panning out the way it has? No. I mean, you know, to go undefeated, I mean, you know, that, that's just so difficult to do. Uh, but did I think that we could make a good run in, in the tournament? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, I, I felt we had the talent and I, I felt we had the chemistry that, that could put us in a great position to, to go deep, um, you know, but it, it's it's a realistic goal, I mean you know, it, it's, it, this is a fantasy stuff, I mean, we really feel that we can go win a national championship and, um, and, and that's pretty exciting. Coach, is there any kind of added pressure since you guys haven't lost a game yet? Because usually when you lose a game obviously you can learn from your mistakes and get better I mean, you guys haven't had the opportunity to watch the film and say, here's where we lost here, here's where we lost here, is there a little added pressure? Actually, you know, it's funny, I think about 12 or 13 games into the season, there was kind of like a tension within the locker room. It, it, was, it was almost palpable, and, and, you know, we, we, we didn't talk about the unbeaten run, you know. We just kind of kept focusing on the next game and the next game and not really talking about it. And then we just had a, a, a meeting with the team and, and you know, we just... We just kind of got it all out there. You know, we dropped the elephant in the room. Hey, guys, we are unbeaten. We're doing something special here. Um, you know, and, and the pressure is on, but it's all about how we handle it. And, and that's been one of the, the biggest developments that our squad has made this year is being able to handle the pressure. And, and they've been unbelievably strong. And um, it, it's, it, it's so much fun to see. Like, we don't have the pressure on us anymore. Like, we, we just... We just feel like we're going to go out and enjoy ourselves, and you know we expect to win. Um, you know, but we don't we don't go out there, you know, with any sort of arrogance. We know we have to win it, but you know that's that's the mentality we've got right now. We expect to win, and, and we're expecting to win tomorrow. Oh, that's when it's a lot of fun. Oh, Winning yeah. is fun, man. You get on that ride and you feel good and you're just so confident, not overconfident, but confident enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can kind of sense it from talking to Ashley Martin, the uh, head women's soccer coach at Flagler University, that that's what's happening down there in St. Augustine right now. Just to run you through what they've been able to do, 15 goals allowed. That's it. Yeah. All season so far. Uh, for Flagler, and in the Peach Belt Conference tournament, wins a two nothing, one nothing, and then a one nothing win in overtime to win the conference, three to one to start the NCAA tournament, uh, three nothing win over Catawba, then beat Lincoln Memorial in the second round, two to one, and so now Embry Riddle will play Nova Southeastern. And coach, I'm assuming how this works: uh, if you get the win over Wingate, you'll play the winner of that Embry Riddle versus Nova Southeastern match on Sunday uh, in St. Augustine as well, right? Yeah, and um, the winner of that game will then go to uh, Pittsburgh for the final four. So um, we're going to have to order some cold jackets if, uh, if we get there. <laughs> right. Hey, new gear. That's all Nothing right. Nothing wrong new with gear. that. Hey, Coach, uh, how, how historic is this? Uh, give us a little bit of a history lesson on Flagler women's soccer. You've been there since 2014, but uh, what kind of run is this right now for you guys in this program, uh, given the history? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I, I actually played at Flagler and graduated from Flagler myself back in 2007. And so, uh, you know, I was part of uh, Flagler when we were NAIA. 
and we made the transition into Division 2. And so ever since making that transition into Division 2, uh, the women's team have had, you know, a couple of decent seasons, you know, nothing special. Um, but, you know, in the in the last, like, four years, we've, we've really gotten a, a, a real good run. And, um, you know, this, this has been, you know, the most wins in the season. Um, we, we've had, you know, a, just so many milestones this year with a lot of individual awards as well, including Charlene um, Lavotny, who is a senior that has just been awarded the Academic All-American um, Women's Soccer Player of the Year. Um, I mean, that's a, a very prestigious honour. So there's been an awful lot of fun this year. Um, you know, it's just been a fabulous, fabulous year, but we don't want it to be over yet. We want four more games. I like that. So, Coach, you know, I mean, obviously you're in the tournament format now, and when you're watching film, you said, you know, you have the game Friday against Wingate, who should be a really good game. I mean, do you tell your girls, like, do you prepare more? Like, do you try to stop what they're trying to do, or do you just focus on what you're doing? You know, like, I guess, do you scheme for what Wingate's going to try to do here, or do you just worry more about yourselves and not make mistakes? I think that you have to have a balance. As a coach, you've got to have a balance of the two. I mean, uh, we, we don't want to get away from what what has been successful for us. Um, and, you know, you mentioned there about, you know, not conceding many goals this year. Well, we've also scored an awful lot as well. So we, we love to go out and play attacking, free-flowing soccer. And, um, you know, we don't ever want to get away from that. But um, I, I think it would be remiss of me as a coach to, to not focus on, um, you know, the opponents and, and what, you know, has made them successful. But, um, you know, there is a balance there between the two, and, and you know the players are going in uh, to the game tomorrow knowing that Wingate are going to be a quality opponent that are going to cause us problems, and so uh, they're going to be well prepared, and, and we're going to we're going to have to be at our best if we want to get a result tomorrow. Uh, one of the best kept secrets uh, in Northeast Florida and in the area, Flagler College down in St. Augustine, and the women's soccer program having a fantastic season. 21-0-1, undefeated at home, and it comes down to tomorrow night against Wingate at 6 o'clock down there in St. Augustine. Go check it out. Visit flaglerathletics.com for more information on the matches. But uh, if you love soccer, if you love local sports, go check it out uh, Friday and hopefully on Sunday as well because if uh, Flagler can win a couple of matches this weekend, they'll get to the Division II Final Four. Ashley Martin, head coach at Women's Soccer Program down at Flagler College. Thanks for taking a couple minutes. Best of luck tomorrow night. Thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. You bet. Good luck. Uh, go get a W uh, tomorrow. When we come back, uh, we go to the wall that says it all. We're not driving back. <laughs> no, we're not. We'll tell you we did this earlier. We're going to teleport. Oh, I thought we were going to teleportation, man. Yeah, you want to teleport? We can teleport, man. It's Will all there good. ever be a day of that? Ah, uh, you never know. I don't the way Elon Musk is doing things nowadays, man, you know, you never know, Brent. I mean... You know, you ride like that ride at Disney, you know, like sure. when you're, or maybe that is Epcot when you ride in the in the, in the ball there. Okay, that's uh, Epcot. And uh, or you watch the Jetsons way back in the day. Sure. I mean, we are closer than ever. Yeah. But we're not quite there. We are getting there, man. We are getting there. We never get. I won't see teleporting. Well, no, I mean, I'm probably gonna see it. Yeah, but you're 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 on the back nine, Brent, and it's okay, dude. You think, you think ten okay. years will make the difference? That's going to be a big Brent's decade. on the back nine, man. I'm just saying, dude. It's uh, all right, Why can't though. the Jags get three feet of yardage <laughs> with Leonard Fournette? That's it. That's the question. Yeah. We go to the wall that says it all next on ESPN 690.
Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine this is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Welcome back. We are at the wall that says it all down in the TV studio, CBS 47 and Fox 30. But you're listening on ESPN 690 or you're watching on our video platforms on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. So as we always say... Uh, just three downs. We are going to illustrate some things that are going wrong for the Jacksonville Jaguars, or at sometimes maybe even going right. Sure. Uh, but if you're just listening, it's candy for your ears. And go <laughs> check out the video feeds later on. We'll keep you in the loop, even if you are just listening. All right, Austin Lane, break it down. It's been a while since we've been at the wall, it feels like. Absolutely. A couple of weeks with the holiday. Yeah. And uh, we begin on... We've done this a little bit with the red zone and the Jags. Like, why are they having so many problems? Well, one of the big problems is they can't even gain a yard at mm -hmm. times. We saw it in the Cincinnati game, and, well, we saw it on first down. And this was, I think, a little bit of a miscommunication as well because a handoff looked a bit funky. Yeah. But on top of that, man, we're talking about a yard. Like, For sure. That's it. It's one, two, three. That's <laughs> it. Like, yeah. why can't the Jags? Yeah. Get a yard this season. It's been so hard. Exactly. And, you know, it's starting to be very telling, too, about what the offensive coordinator thinks about the offensive line. When they're down in these goal line situations, they run the ball once, and then they go directly to the pass. Yeah. Usually teams that, you know, that are confident in their physicality, they're going to run the ball at least two times, maybe three times. But the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they got 27. Exactly. And they got 27 as well, who is, who is definitely a bruiser-type back. Uh, so let's break this play down here. This is first and goal on the one-yard line, right? And they're in what we like to call a jumbo formation. All jumbo means is basically this is a run formation. Everyone's on the line. Uh, you can't run a lot of passes out of this. And that's great because that's, I mean, you, you can run the ball out of this formation. But here's the problem, Brent. As you can see, Tampa Bay right now, they're ready for it. <laughs> they, got numbers. They, they absolutely understand that the run is most likely coming. So when you have that, it's mano a mano. It, there, there, there's no, you know, Tampa Bay's going to run a blitzer. No, I mean, everyone's got their gap. Lowest guy wins, and who comes off the ball is going to win. Now, usually the way this works out, Brent, is the offensive line, they have the advantage. Why? Because they know the count, right? <laughs> and, even that, get off. and even that fraction of a second can make all the world a difference here. So this is the first player here. So obviously they're lined up, ready to roll. Now let's kind of get into it and see where it goes wrong a little Before bit. Before you do that, let me yeah. just, for the folks just listening, we're, we're talking 25 to 11, 7.05 to go. This yeah. was actually when you had a feel, whoa, wait a minute now. Gardner Minshew's not only momentum. fun to watch. Yeah. Could this be some epic comeback? In fact, at the time, I had to go back and look up when Blake Bortles rallied to beat the New York Giants a few years back. Yeah. I think it was 2015, his second year. I think that was the greatest comeback in Jags history. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I feel like they had 25 points or something. Uh, the Giants did, but they didn't. It was 21 to nothing. Yeah. So this is what I'm thinking about in the press box. I'm like, wait a minute now. They score here with seven minutes to go. Sure. It's 25 to 18 and yeah. all the momentum. But this set is a first and goal and in the bunch formation. But that was the situation. Down two scores, first and goal. The comeback was really on Mr. at the moment. Mr. Momentum could be changing addresses right here. Yeah. I mean, it, it, was, it was that legit when, when she came in. So, all right, so now let's go down and see what happened. Yeah, exactly. So now, listen, I'm not sure exactly what the play call was here, but if you watch the New 
England Patriots, especially when they're really humming on offense, not so much this year, but especially 2017 when the Jaguars played them, they like to run this exact same formation. What we call this is either a 38 or a 39 boss. Basically what that means is you're in a jumbo formation, you have a fullback, and you actually you have the choice of do you want to go right or left. Hmm. Here's where I think it went wrong for Minshew here. For whatever reason, you can tell from this picture right here, Minshew and Fournette are not on the same page. No, they're like facing each other. Like he's not handing, he's yeah. like, it, like head on. This, yeah. There was a, something that went awry. So that leads me to believe there's a miscommunication. And I get it, Minshew came off the bench right now, but he's a pretty smart dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's a miscommunication right now. And where I think it comes from is the fact that this was a kind of, I don't say an RPO, but they were reading where the defense was. Okay. And they're running away from the strong side. So they're going to the weak side of it. And for whatever reason, Fournette or Minshew kind of messed up here, and one of them goes the wrong side, and that slows it down. Right so that the slows the play. Oh, down. absolutely. But even before the play is slowed down a bit, yeah. and you knew this one was going to be busted, yeah. and you just live another day, and maybe you run a couple more times yeah. if you had confidence in your offensive line. But why when I see the Jaguars on a still frame on their offensive line, does it look like I'm watching a bad car accident? So, now, here's the problem. You know, when we run these jumbo formations, when we do these 38-39 bosses, they're great plays. They're plays that can get you a yard. But the difference between the Patriots, what they run so well, and the Jaguars, the Patriots have a true fullback. Okay? The Jaguars this year didn't have a true fullback. So if you look in the backfield right now, we have O'Leary. Nick O'Leary. Yeah, and granted, he's probably been here, what, three two weeks, weeks? Two weeks, three, exactly. Three weeks, and, yeah. and playing fullback isn't his usual spot, right? So right now you're asking a guy who is from the tight end position to play fullback. And I get it, you go through and practice a little bit, but to me, the, the fullback, it's the unsung hero. And it's a position that takes a lot of time to garner. Now granted, Indianapolis can take Quentin Nelson, put him back there at fullback a little bit, and it works sometimes. But when you're trying to gain that yard, I think it's the most beneficial thing, especially out of this formation, is to have a true and tried fullback. They had Tommy Bohannon in 2017. It yeah. paid off for him in a lot of different ways, especially yeah. for Leonard Fournette. So you could say they missed the tight, the fullback yeah. uh, to a degree. Yeah. So now, as we come down to the slide here, we can see Brent on the right side there's a hole open for a second for Leonard Fournette. I was going to say, now, this is interesting because the play looks busted yes. in the backfield because of the handoff exchange. It was weird. Yep. It was clunky. Yep. But you go to the next frame, and, well, now Leonard Fournette has a hole to the goal line. Yeah. Like, he is he is at the three-yard line, his front foot. Yeah. And there is nobody in front of him. Yeah. And this is what always amazes me about the NFL when we break down plays like this is how fast stuff closes yeah. in like a frame of a, a, well, a video. That's and, it. And that's exactly what it is right now, Brent. If you're just listening to us at home, we're in the third frame right now. And there's two holes that are literally running the end zone. Yeah, and I, then I could run in there. Exactly. But as we come down to the last frame, and this, literally the, the third to fourth frame are probably 0.3 seconds, if even that, probably 0.2 seconds, that quickly. When we come to the last frame, once again, it, it's a game of seconds, the hole's completely closed. You can't even final enter it yeah, anymore. Exactly. The, the hole is closed. And one, once again, Brent, I talked about it before. We see the offensive lineman. We have uh, Richardson Jr. right here. I think we have Cedric Oboye who came in as a, as a big tight end Oboye, right here. Oboye, he's way down Oh, I'm here. sorry. Who's number 74? Uh, that is, uh, who's down on the left side? That's Cam Robinson. Oh, I'm sorry. Cam sorry. Robinson. So, as we can see, I've said it before. Anytime you're in a goal line package, it, it's, it's first whatever, it's one yard. And your tackles are looking in the backfield. Your guards are looking in the backfield. Yeah. You're not going to win those battles. No, right here, the I can count jerseys to the one, end zone. two, uh, almost really three guys with their backs. Sir. Yeah, and Norwell's at the bottom of the pile, too. Correct. Yeah, you know, I will, let me ask one more thing before we move on. Sure. At this stage, does a running back almost have to do it himself? I mean, and now, I will say this. They, the clunky handoff, by now, Fournette might actually be a yard ahead. 
Sure. Because of the timing got screwed up. Exactly. But, I don't know, does the back, the, does Leonard Fournette have to kind of finish that and get in? I, I mean, yeah. the, the last frame we're showing, he's all bottled up. He is. But from the third frame we're showing, I'm like, all right, Leonard, go get it done, man. Well, and, it's, you know, it's so easy to nitpick. Well, he should have ran, you know, to the C gap. The B gap was open for a second. It's easy to nitpick. But when you're out there and it happens in a fraction of a second, what you need through offensive line is you just need some push. Just because, any push. Because ideally what the Jaguars want to do is they want to have Fournette just lower shoulder, get some push, and get in the end zone. But as we see here, and Juwan Taylor, who's been playing pretty good in the run game, this isn't necessarily a bad job by Juwan Taylor right here by, you know, stalemating him. But as you can see, he's straight up, right? Straight. Where Ideally, what you want from Jerron Taylor, and this is where Leonard Fournette's reading, actually, is Jerron Taylor to get lower and got, pull his guy back a little more, and that creates the opening space Well, let's just it. be honest. As we move on, there's not one player in the end zone. Correct. Exactly. And you're you trying to get push. that yard. If you get any push, you yeah. score. And, and once again, I can't reiterate this enough, Brett. When you're first and goal on the one-yard line, and they know it's going to be a run, it's mano a mano. It's not so much, yeah, it's technique's important, but it's also physicality and mentality right. as well. This segment's going to be an hour long if I don't I know. Hurry we got going, uh, the wall that says it all here <laughs> as Austin Lane takes us through some of the plays. And now we're going backwards in time a little bit. Once again, you can listen on ESPN690.com, listen in your car, but you can also watch this and go back and watch it if you want on YouTube. Facebook and Twitter uh, if you're only getting the audio side of things. But you get the picture. The Jags are struggling in the red zone, mm -hmm. struggling to get a yard. But before they had the touchdown, their only one of the game, mm -hmm. they actually had a nice play in the red zone. Yeah. I think that's where you're going to show us next. 25-3, to 3, early yeah. fourth quarter. This is when the comeback was starting, mm -hmm. and uh, you have to pick up yards on first down. Correct. Leonard Fournette did that here. So, so we're talking about being successful in the red zone, and that comes with a balance. It's the ability to run the ball on first down and then set things up on second and third down with the pass. So here, pretty simple. First down, we got a spread formation. You don't know if it's going to be run or pass here. And if you're Tampa Bay, you don't know what's coming. Ball's Keeping at the seven-yard line. Ball's at the seven-yard line right now. It is a handoff to Leonard Fournette. Now. If we go down to the slide here, and the people just listening, Leonard Fournette is getting hit by about three guys, two yards in the backfield. At the nine and a half. So all things considered, this should probably be a two-yard tackle for loss right now, right? This is all Leonard Fournette because, once again, Brent, what do I say? <laughs> Look at How this. many guys got their backs turned <laughs> No, right I'm going to count them, okay? Okay. okay? I wish I had a telestrator sure. on here. One, that's Norwell, I think. Yeah. Two, Jawan Taylor, who's yeah. really just watching. Will Richardson, Jr., three. And I can't make out who this is, but I would say four, and then your tight end as well. Everybody's turned around except for Leonard Fournette. Yeah. So let's see. We have, you said four or five. We have five guys right now with their, with their backs turned. Five. And four of them are offensive looking, linemen. Looking in, in the, the wrong direction, right? <laughs> so if you tell me that, if you're listening to it, you think, okay, that's a tackle for loss for sure. But you have Leonard Fournette. You know, you have one of the best running backs right now in the National Football League. Probably a, a, a pro bowler coming up here. He makes this play by himself, and he turns a, a negative two, negative three uh, yard loss to a positive probably four or five yard gain simply to himself. Yeah. And keep in mind, because we're going to go to the next slide here, that's drastically important. So when we talk about, look, he gets hit in the backfield, can't really do anything. Well, if you just give him a little space here, he can make things happen by himself. Absolutely. And, and right here he did. But this is a great illustration on these first two frames. What we're showing you is that this offensive line. Yes. Uh, uh, I admit it. I was more of a believer in this offensive line. And now the big calculation, I think, in the front office, the more and more I look at this and see this, is they thought this offensive line was good. Mm -hmm. Tom Coughlin, I think. Dave Caldwell. I think Doug Marone. Uh, uh, Warhop, who they brought in to coach him. I, I think they thought this offensive line would take a little bit to come together because of the 
absences in training camp, like Cam Robinson coming back, yeah. the rookie Jawan Taylor. So it takes a little bit to mesh. And I would say the second part, month of the season, it looked like it was happening, yeah. and they were doing a better job. Mm. But they have taken a turn for the worse. And they, in hindsight, are not very good. Yeah. And November, they've been a big reason why they haven't been good. There's a big reason why Nick Foles is now on the bench. Because sure. Nick Foles needs a decent offensive line, mm -hmm. and they haven't been good enough. There's a big miscalculation in Jacksonville on this offensive line, and that had to do with getting the $88 million quarterback, putting him back in after the bye week. There's a big-time domino effect, and these are just illustrations of it. Absolutely. Hit. All right, but we got a touchdown yes, because Gardner Minshew's back in the game, and he can avoid some of the rush. Yes, yes. Well, let's go back to the second slide real quick, though, Brent. So, right, Leonard Fournette gets about a four-yard gain here. Yes. So now we, we set it up to and about... that was on first and goal. Correct. Yep. So now we, we set it up there about at the three-yard line. For those listening at home, second and goal here. Uh, Minshew's in. The momentum's starting to change a little yeah. bit. And, and, and this is the really telling thing to me. You love this with, play. With Minshew. I love this play because we didn't see this type of formation coming from Nick Foles. This, this, to, this to me is like a Gardner-Minshew special right here. So let's go over it real quick. So we're in a trips left bunch formation. So basically, we say it all the time on this show, you got three receivers lined up on the left, and you got, interestingly, you have Nick O'Leary out wide to the right. Split ride to the right. Keep in mind that now, okay? So... And this is a standard formation. Everybody running, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, Leonard Fournette, what I would say, is yep. off the left hip of Gardner Mitchell. But now, here's, here's where the chaos in the backfield comes. And we talked about the Jaguars' defense getting beat all the time by the stuff in the backfield, right? The motions. Um, guys not, you know, staying on their assignments just because they're focused on the backfield. Well, here we have D.D. Westbrook and... Uh, well, D.D. Westbrook cloned himself here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then this is a great <laughs> illustration here. So basically what happened was, I like to call this... Uh, it's kind of like a jet motion, but I, I call it a pass motion because a jet formation, he actually stops by the quarterback, but he keeps going. So it's called the pass formation. And you can also call it a disco uh, formation, or uh, I'm sorry, a disco motion because he goes back and forth. But basically what happens here, D.D. Westbrook starts to go in motion. He stops right past Gardner Minshew, and he comes back, and then he goes back again. So basically it's just... It's like, what is this guy doing? He, right he kind of like, uh, is he yeah. messed up? Exactly. I mean, what's going on? Because Ex Didi, again, if you just listen, Didi Westbrook on that trips to the left, yeah. he's the inside receiver. Yeah. And so he's close to the line. This isn't like the, the guy that comes all the way in motion from the hash Correct. or from the numbers. Yeah. This is just like quickly in motion, yeah. comes back, yeah. not all the way out to his position, but then goes to the other side where Nick O'Leary was split to the right. Absolutely. Now, keep in mind, when you're down in these goal line situations or, you know, you're on the three or four yard line, a lot of teams are going to run man on this because, once again, they're kind of expecting the run right here. They know that Fortnite likes to run it, you know, and it's a Jacksonville Jaguars. It's physical. It's second down. Three yard line. So, right now, I think they're banking on the run and they have the man formation. Perfect for the Jacksonville Jaguars because when you run man formation against this kind of look right here, there's going to be discombobulation because now guys go try to like, all right, you have him. Now I'm trying to pass him up. I'm trying to pass him off. Well, the problem is that D.D. Westbrook goes one spot. They pass the guy off to somebody else, and then he comes back. So there's just miscommunication in the backfield. And you're and challenging it, their communication. Exactly. And as we go down to the third slide, as you can see, D.D. Westbrook's wide open just because of the miscommunication. Yeah, they don't catch up with them. It's a three-yard route. I mean, that's exactly. all you got to do is get out there, and Minshew hits him in stride around the one-yard line. Wide open in the And that's flat. an easy touchdown, which begs the question, why don't they do this more? Like, yeah. why? Like, that was kind of what we were talking about, right? Like, this motion play, the reason you like it yeah. is it looked like the playbook kind of changed it did. when Minshew got in rather than when Foles. Now, they weren't down near the goal line like this, so maybe sure. it's a goal line play, but that's the way it looked to the naked eye. Well, and to be fair, I feel like you can run this kind of formation, this kind of motion anywhere on the yeah. field. So, yeah. so yeah, you're absolutely right, Brent. You know, we're talking about the, the whole Nick Foles playbook. 
the belief going into the Indianapolis game was they're going to open things up a little more. You're going to see a lot more of the playbook because Nick Foles is the guy that has experience. We didn't really see that. We saw a very vanilla offense with Nick Foles, and all of a sudden, sudden Gardner Minshew comes in against Tampa, and they kind of take the reins off. They kind of open up the playbook a little bit, and this is just one of those examples right here. And one last thing, okay? Well, not one last thing, but... Look at the offensive linemen in this picture. Sure. All facing front. Yes. They haven't got spun around. That's a yeah. pass play, different than a run play. But still, yep. they're doing at least their job with guys in front of them yep. still a little well, bit more than in the other slot. And, and one more thing that I love about this, and keep in mind, Nick O'Leary here. He's been here two, three weeks. That's it. And, and guess what? You're starting tight end now. Have yeah. fun with it, right? Yeah. So uh, here is what we call a rub play as well. And they asked Nick O'Leary, the tight end at the top, he actually – "Quote unquote," sets a screen yeah. on D.D. Westbrook's guy, and that's what we play in the NFL. Most it's play in the NFL. If you do it right. So let's keep in mind now. So we have this crazy motion over here. We have this disco motion, and then we also have a screen on the top. That's a lot of things happening in the backfield that defenses can't adjust to, and they totally burn Tampa Bay on this play. All right, I'm going to end one. Rob, follow me here. I'm going to come out wide if you don't mind, because I want to ask you this real quick. Sure. Stay, you stay there. Okay. But in this formation, see, yeah. they can't gain a yard. Sure. Back on slide one, this is the first thing we showed. It is. But over here on these two, where they do gain yards on the running play and then obviously the touchdown, this is where I think they run better on them. Yeah. Why don't they spread stuff out? This bunch stuff ain't working. Yeah. It's not. So yeah. run it out of the spread stuff. Yep. And you've got more lanes that open up, and you don't have to go mano a mano because mano a mano ain't working. You're losing. Well, and, and here's the problem with that, Brent. You ask any offensive coordinator why they do that, this jumbo formation here on first down, because everyone does in the NFL, and it's an ego thing. They, they want to try to establish dominance. They want to say, our guys blocking up front, even though you know it's coming, we're better than your guys. And unfortunately right now, those Jaguars have not been better than any of those defensive guys we're, are going we're against. We're 13 weeks into the year. I yeah. can tell you this. They're not better than the other guys. They of haven't been. Of course. They haven't been able to get a yard. Yeah, that's the wall that says it all right there. Uh, we'll go back to the radio side of things from the best bet right after this on ESPN 690. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. You know, when you have two bad years like this, changes come. If they do, if they don't, if not, I see if these four games is pretty much a resume for the next person. If the coaching staff is still here, whether it should you still be here or go anywhere else. I feel like these four games is a resume game. I mean, every coach wants to know what a player's going to do when the tables turns against him and he has nothing to play for. I mean, a lot of people say we love the game. And this point, sadly, this is where you really show where you love the game. I mean, we all want to go to the playoffs and things like that, but we still get to play the game. That's a great soundbite from Avery Jones. Good perspective on yeah. kind of what we've been talking about. Welcome back here to the Best Bet Jacksonville uh, Celebrity Poker Tournament tonight to raise money for out holidays for kids in Jacksonville. Uh, Mark Kay putting it on, and it's called the Cards for a Cause, the Ho 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 Hold'em Returns. Third year of doing this for Mark Kay from WAPE and WOKV. Of course, our sister stations right here at Cox Media Group. Megan Lane will be out here. Nick Franklin, Major League Baseball player. Austin's playing tonight. Allie McDeal. Taylor Lynn's a model. Tank is going to be a part of this one. Derek Odom, traffic uh, guru at Action News Jacks. Aaron from the Eagle also helps with our updates. By the way, Tank does too. DJ Coos. DJ Coozy. <laughs> I mean, are we ever going to let him live? Do, can we make like a... Um, a cardboard cutout of yeah. DJ Koozie. I, I know, man. I'll pay I, for I, I didn't know DJ Koozie was still a thing, but I like it. And Christy Turner as well. So it's kind of uh, an Action News Jacks and Cox Media Group and radio and TV thing. 
yeah. uh, we got going on uh, tonight. I will not be playing. I have Jaguars All Access coming up uh, at 7 o'clock over at Mellow Mushroom in Avondale. Well, Calais Campbell and Josh Allen will be on the show tonight. But uh, this thing starts right around 6 o'clock, raising yeah, money yeah. for the kids. And you're playing, man. It's yeah, fun. I am playing, man. And uh, since you're not going to be here, I'll be sure to hold the fort down for both the ESPN 690 brand. And, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to do us justice, man. I I'm appreciate my A game. We'll, yeah. we'll, do, we'll see how you do. Yeah. Competitive poker streak will... I'm not Come bad, on. Brent. Well, so yeah, well, here's the deal. So I'll say this: there's, there's so much, huh? Just beat Coos. Oh, for sure. Well, you're man. I never hear the end of that one. No. Yeah, uh, that deal. would be a tough one to overcome. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, welcome to Best Bet Jacksonville. By the way, I think some of the best sushi in town. So every time I come here, Best Bet Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sushi. Yep. And French fries. I know it's a odd combo, <laughs> yeah. but I love the fries well, here, man. And I'm glad you brought this up because we went to go order our food, and he just said right off the get-go before we even had time, "Can I get a plate of French fries?" I'm like, okay. I'm wondering where they are. I gotta yeah, get <laughs> they're not here right now, unfortunately. But, but you just ordered a the, plate of French you fries. You don't have you like you like fries? Of course, man. Who doesn't like, like fries? I, I like fries, and sometimes I'll go on like this kick for fries. Okay. And there are some places that really, but you know. Across the board, if I had to pick a place to go, like said, okay, where am I going to go for fries? It's not going to be a fast food place. You know who has the best fries usually? Five John Bachman, you know? Five Guys? Five Guys would be a great guess. I would also say, um, what am I? There's I a, said no fast food. No fast well, food. Well, Five so Guys is like, like uh, quick casual. Easy now, Brent. Oh, come on. <laughs> could have been a sponsor. Is, what an insult to Five Guys. Five Guys is fast food. No way, man. They don't have a drive through There's no drive through Yeah, there's no drive through It's not fast food. Boom. Quiet, Scott. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Please. Uh, Best right. fries, though. I... And it's not even like a specific Is it a restaurant. steakhouse? Is it a steakhouse? No. Nope. they've got the, uh, what, what is it, the uh, extra Freaks? stuff, the truffles oh. on there? Uh, nope. It's in general. It's, uh, I'm just going to say it. Go ahead and say it. It's bowling alleys. What? Bowling what? alleys have the best fries, in my opinion. Hmm. Wow. Yep. Well, how, bowl, I mean, can you be more specific? No, I mean, Any, that's, that's what I'm alley. saying. Like, yeah. I'll go to a bowling alley in Rhode Island. I'll go to a bowling alley in Ohio. I'll go to a bowling alley here in Jacksonville. Sure. Across the board, I've got to get their French fries. Okay. Hey, Austin, so, when do you want to go and meet at Brent like, Island? <laughs> that's what I'm saying, man. Jeez. Best bet Jacksonville, same thing. Yeah. I come here, i got to get the fries. It's yeah. kind of like my bowling alley. Okay, I got you, man. Here's the real question. This is a Wisconsin thing, but I want to know if you ever had them. You ever had stinky fries? No, I don't think so. So stinky fries, they put sour cream, chives, and they put Parmesan cheese. They sprinkle it on. Delicious, man. You cannot go wrong with stinky fries. Stinky fries. Mm. All right, there we go. Wow. What are you stinking up over there today, John Bach? <laughs> well, I got to tell you, before we get to actual news, I can tell you Kuz walked out of here and he said the only thing he wants to do is beat Austin in this card tournament tonight. Hey, good luck. <laughs> I'm the master of reading people. Uh, two dudes, by the way, the surf shop, the surf, the, the seafood joint, they have a couple of uh, restaurants in town. Two dudes has great fries. They have, like, bacon and jalapenos and cheese all over their fries. It's delicious. You know, you go down to like, so Two Dudes is the name of it? Yeah, you've never heard of it? They're over on Atlantic, uh, like um, Seminole and Atlantic is where their first one uh, started. And they've got the surfboard outside there. It's a great local seafood joint. And then they just opened another one down in Ponte Vedra, I think. 
I'm just, go. I'm just getting inspiration here. I mean, do you guys, do we go half seas? Well, you can't go half seas, but do we all invest in a food truck that just serves different kinds of fries? Well, that's what I was going to say in St. Augustine. I'm sure Augustine, it's been done. There, there is, there's it? like a little shack down Dang. in St. Augustine. I like, thought I was ahead of the curve. <laughs> on George Street, you're not ahead of the curve. <laughs> okay. I, well, so. I tried. Not on this anyway. <laughs> no, like they have these in the mall some places, too. Like just just fry places? Uh, yes. Not, I don't know about right here, we but I've been fry guys. Okay, I'm done. Okay. But anyway, they do have it on George Street in St. Augustine. Okay. You can get all the different kind of fries. Okay. Well, I'm bummed. Right. Yeah, it was a good idea. It would right. be tough for fight camp anyway if you did that. Uh, heavyweight, it's all right. <laughs> you just got to train a little extra. <laughs> all right, uh, John Bachman, what you all got right. coming up well, tonight at 5? I'm not sure if I can transition from fries to the stomach bug, but I'm going to try. Um, oh, your, Creekside Creekside, your Creekside High School is battling a nasty bug today. I was wondering if I was going to have to tell you guys about mm. that, but I guess you already know. So, yeah, we had, uh, a, well, officially 20 students and a teacher are out with a, a bad bug, but... We're hearing from people on Facebook that it could be even more than that. Uh, a lot of people wow. are, are are chiming in on our Facebook page saying we got the numbers wrong. It's way more than that. So we'll see. I have We're sources telling me 70 kids sent home yesterday, six teachers, and 20 more today. Wow. Okay. So, well, there so you go. Bad, I heard so bad that uh, they had to have class outside for some classes today. Well, it was no a good way. day for that, no really? doubt. But that's, because, yeah, that's yeah. brutal. Because there's I been a lot it. of people sick. Well, wow. and then, of course, is it a virus or is it something else? You know, we don't know. We're going to try to find out. But we're uh, we're working on that. I think this is my fault, by the way. Is it? Yes. Is that? Well, I may have actually said today. <laughs> I said it today. Literally today. Which means I'm going to get the flu in about ten minutes. Oh. But I said to Steph, I said, uh, you know, it's crazy. And I don't know if it's because I didn't go to London mm -hmm. or what. But I have, or maybe some of the dieting or, or better habits or working sure. out, but whatever it is, I don't know what it is. But I have not been sick. And usually, oh, usually I like so. to lose my voice for like a week. Yeah. You know, you get one of those, or yep. definitely the cold sets in or something yeah. like that. And there have been times where I thought I was about to get it, mm -hmm. and I just haven't. And even the guys in our office, John, like usually, like Stuart and, and, and the other guy. Uh, he, <laughs> Are you not saying Marcel's name now? No, no, that's what I thought he was going to say. Oh, the other guy. Oh, that other guy. But those guys are yeah. soft, man. Oh. And they get, like, sick, like, all the I'm time. Sorry. I'm telling him you said that. Uh, they get sick all the time. Like, But this year, oh. I've only, they've had, uh, Stuart had it for about four or five days. Yeah. And the other guy, maybe for, like, two or three days. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And so... It hasn't penetrated the office very much. Sure. Um, now, again, like I said, well, for the next three weeks, we're about to be, like, flu-like symptoms, I'm sure. But For sure. I, I shouldn't have said it. That's well, like saying and, the guy never misses a field goal right before he misses <laughs> his field goal. <laughs> and is Creekside, is that That's your Adam Benateri's problem this year. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Well, maybe he's got mono. But is Creekside, is that the school that you have kind of in the bet going back and forth? Yeah, or, that's or, that's Martino's yeah, end of the, uh, box, so, the Bacchano I Cup. Mean, I don't want to break any news here. I don't want to make any accusations, but it makes you wonder. <laughs> right. It makes it you wonder. Soccer season. It, awesome. it makes what you wonder you if John Bachman hey. took it upon himself to oh. kind of make sure that the there trophy's coming to his corner. Awesome. Very Come on, man. Hey, hey I'm not I, thought we were, fingers. I thought we were Midwestern <laughs> friends. I'm just, I'm just putting all the cards on hey. the table, and I'm seeing what we all got here. Hey, listen, Bart no Bachman's in town tomorrow, tomorrow, and she's making left, so you ain't getting any next week. Hey, None. You know, yeah, Brent, you know what? Sounds a little defensive to me, man. Mm. Sounds a little... 
extra defensive. Uh, you, defensive. Know, you know what you're going to get some lessons. going to have a little some extra in there, I think, is actually what's going to happen. <laughs> I want some lessons, though, man. I'm sorry. Lefsa I'm with sorry. some x lax in there. <laughs> Would that be x lefsa or no? I don't. <laughs> For sure. And it, it'll be x lefsa it'll, it'll be interesting Lex, radio. It'll be Lexla. Lexla. It'll be Lexla and interesting radio at the yeah, same time. All right. Hey, one last thing. Totally changing gears on you, but uh, I know folks at San Marco have really wanted a public, well, a lot of people in San Marco area have wanted a public or a grocery store of some kind, and uh, there's a development being proposed there that we've talked about in the past. Well, it cleared another hurdle today, so they are one step closer to getting their Publix in San Marco, which I know a lot of people will be talking about. Very That's, cool. uh, do you so, know how many Publix are actually in the area? Any idea? It, w- w- in the area of, like, as in Metro Jacksonville? Yeah. Oh, man, I don't even want to know. It's like, I mean, it's got to be dozens. Yeah, because they're just popping up all over, you know, down near us. But there's yeah, not yeah. one close by for the folks in San Marco. And I'm sure there is one, you know, not more than five, ten miles from there, but there's not one right there. So yeah. they want one, and I think they, they're getting closer to getting one. All right, uh, tonight, 5 o'clock on uh, CBS 47 and Fox 30, John Bachman, Tanika Hughes, and uh, Mike Borish as well. And I'll be live during the show uh, from uh, Mellow Mushroom and Avondale for Jaguars All Access. That comes up at 7 o'clock on Fox 30. And then we have Thursday Night Football on Fox yes, 30. Yes, we do. As well, uh, Chicago and Dallas in the disappointing bowl. I, I, uh, normally I would root for anybody to beat Dallas, but in this case I'm kind of rooting for Dallas just because I, I don't want anybody threatening the uh, Vikings in, in their tail. John, I assure you that Bears aren't a problem. But I will say this, though. Chicago, uh, I'm, they, I'm they a Vikings fan. I've been scarred. With, with Mr. Trubisky, though? But man, I know, but they're 6-6. Six and six. I know, oh, I know they are. They could go on surprising. a run. The Vikings yeah. are in a tailspin, and you never know. Next thing you know, it could be two ten and 6 teams. You're right. You're hey, right. You know why I'm rooting for you a lot? Why, uh, John? Why is that? Because you have to fend off the Rams. Yeah, that's true. And I think the Rams are going to beat Seattle this week too. You think there, so? There's yeah. culture building over there, isn't there, Austin? There, there is major culture building going on right now. Yes, it is the key to any successful team, John. Absolutely, I've got to tell you that. Absolutely. Thanks, right. nice Thanks for stopping by, All right, guys. Don't get sick. I, I, I know. I'm going to wash my hands every five minutes now. <laughs> See you guys. Thank All you. Right. Good Have luck good tonight, one. Austin. I'm cheering for you. Luck, luck is for the unprepared, John. Luck is for the unprepared. I there appreciate it. All right. See you guys. <laughs> luck is for the unprepared. Yeah. Um, you listen, I think that 2012 season under Mike Malarkey, you guys hey, could have hey, used a little hey, luck. Easy now. Oh, man. <laughs> easy now. I, I think one time, maybe in the last 12 years around here, the Jacks could use a little luck. They could have been that unprepared. Brent, okay. Uh, the last thing I need from you right now is to make my mindset and then my, 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 my frame of mind be all over the wall because i got to get ready to do this poker tournament. I have to represent ESPN 690, and i got food in my mind. i got John talking about Publix. So i got a pub sub in my mind right now. i got a lot of things in my mind. Uh, are, are, are you a big pub sub guy? Nah, not like everybody oh, else. Like, like shame I don't, on you, I, I'm fine with it. I just don't sit. Like, some people wait in line for 20 oh, minutes. Oh, dude. No. When I'm on the south side, man, because the keto, good. I'm, maybe you had a bad experience. I don't know. No, the, I just the keto, I don't like okay. it like that. Okay, I, just I, got not, you. I don't crave it like I'm that. I'm just saying, though, and this is anybody listening out there, the key, and I'm kind of doing sponsors thing here, but whatever. The key to a good pub sub, though, is you, you have to have that chemistry with the, the maker. Right? Like, I'm not even lying, dude. So there's this old lady named Meredith. I'm not joking. There's this old lady named Meredith at Publix, dude. When I lived on the south side, I would always go see her. If she wasn't working, deuces. I'm, I'm not. You're out. I'm, not, I'm out. Yeah. Like, people want to get make the pub sub online with some stranger making your food? Dude, 
that's Russian roulette, man. It can come out great, can come out bad, but Meredith on Southside, man, she always kept my pub subs top notch. I appreciate it. Shout out to Meredith, wherever you, you are. Can you imagine having to recruit this guy, Ian Shields, as we welcome the uh, well, no, former JU Dolphins head coach onto the show on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690? Are you listening to this, Ian Shields? I mean, is this, yeah, is this I, coming I, to recruiting? I feel I'm that, I am that much smarter right now, and I'm, I'm looking to get down to the Southside and see, see uh, the Meredith or. I'm ready to go. Meredith. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. Her name's Meredith, man, and she's she's always gonna serve you with a smile, guaranteed. <laughs> right. We need all the friendly all the friendliness we can get around here right now. I yeah, bet, you do. Uh JU Dolphins football program discontinued Tuesday. Of course, we talked to uh, one of your players, actually, Ian, and also we talked to Alex Ricker-Gilbert, the AD, about it. But I know it's still very fresh for you. Appreciate you jumping on and, and talking about it. Um, how you doing 48 hours later uh, after this news? Yeah, we're, you know, and I'll say this, we're all hanging in there. And uh, you know, the primary job right now is to take care of the guys in the locker room. We had 95-so guys coming back. Um, and so you got a bunch of young players looking for a new home, you know. And uh, they're all jumping in the transfer portal and looking for like that next place to keep playing college football. And then we have a, a you know, we'll have a handful that decide to stay here and take the university up on their generous offer to, pay full tuition for the, the guys to stay. I, I don't think there'll be many of those, uh, but there'll be a few. Ian Shields with us. Uh, what? Uh, there's so many questions I'd like to ask you, but do you think that gesture they made to the student-athletes, which is a very nice one, uh, by the way, which gets kids thinking. Uh, we had Derek uh, Stump, it is on, your punter. Um, yep. Uh, and he was certainly thinking of that offer, and I don't know how you can. I mean, that's a generous offer. I think, uh, at least from what I understand, they're honoring the contracts of the coaching staff. As difficult as a situation this is, do you think the university handled it the best they could have? Where do you fall on that? Well, I mean, you know, you're you're asking the guy who was just the head football coach. So, yeah. you know, I don't think it was handled. Um, I understand the decision. I understand business, bottom line. Um, I don't think it had to go that direction, frankly. Uh, there was other ways to paint that picture, multiple ways to paint that picture and, and retain football here and the opportunity for young men to play college football here in the city of Jacksonville. Uh, so I think I think the institutions missed the mark completely in that regard. Um, I do think the institutions done done well by the kids that are in the program and done well by my coaching staff of um, not throwing them on the street. And giving them time um, to find the next the next home, uh, whether it's a coach, you know, in a new in a new uh, job site, or these kids, uh, obviously, in their next endeavor. Coach, like my co-host Brent just said, you know, I mean, we had Derek call in, and you know, he kind of set the scene a little bit, and obviously, it was super emotional as he should have been. You know, I mean, it's a it's a very trying time to be a a student athlete, you know, because do you take the scholarship money or, or do you keep on living your dreams of playing football? It's a it's definitely a tough decision. But when you guys found out the news, and obviously, I'm sure it was unexpected. I mean, what do you just tell your players? You know, I mean, is there anything you can really put it into words, or do you just say you're going to be there for them? Can you kind of take us in the locker room a little bit and kind of you know, tell us what you said to him? Yeah, well, I can give you the quick, you know, the, the bullet points because you know, you're not going to have me on the show long enough to get too deep into it, obviously. Or I could <laughs> sure. talk for a couple of weeks on the subject, obviously. But, you know, we noticed we, we were caught pretty flat-footed. Um, I was texted by the president at 8 o'clock Monday night. I figured that probably wasn't great because we hadn't talked a whole lot or texted a whole lot in the last four years. So, um you know, I knew that wasn't going to be a, a, a great meeting. I thought 
what they did was a possibility at that point. I was told at 8.45 in the morning, the team was told at 9 a.m. in a different uh, room, and my staff was told at 9 a.m. in a different room. So we didn't have a chance to address the team uh, before it happened, and I wish I could have had a chance to stop in the blow for them. Um, but later in the day, we did get the whole team together in the locker room at noon, and just told them we'd be there for them. We're putting a prospect list together, contact information, um, if they choose to say, they all knew that option, obviously, as a tuition scholarship. It's not a full ride. They still got room and board and, and books to pay for if they stay. Um, and there's challenges. You got kids living off campus that are in leases and stuff. And, I mean, you know, there's, there's things that haven't been quite thought all the way through for every kid on the roster, obviously. So there's a lot of challenges attached to that. And there's, you know, there's, there's young coaches with, you know, I think I got eight children under the age of three uh, on my staff. Um, other kids in junior high and high school, and and like I said, it, it, it's difficult. It's painful. People don't understand what all goes through something like this, and hopefully nobody ever has to go through like this at any other schools. But um, it, it, it's a trying time, to say the least. But um, like I said, we'll all come out of this on the other side and, and hopefully get in better situations where there's more support. Coach, obviously the news of the football team not being there anymore is by far the most frustrating thing but after the fact i mean would you say that the most frustrating aspect of it was the fact that you couldn't tell your guys right away what was going on it came from somebody else because i'm reminded and uh i I went to murray state university and my senior year our coach got let go and they just let him go and he couldn't talk to us anymore so like as from a player's perspective you know we're in the locker room not being able to talk to our coach and it was um it was a frustrating experience for all the players in that locker room I can only imagine it was amplified just from the standpoint of, you know, you're not going to have football anymore there. Yeah, I would I really echo your sentiments there. And, and you know, to, to, to add on to that, I think what people don't realize, what especially administrators don't realize, that have really never been in the fire, been a coach, or, or in most, some of those cases ever been a player, what they can't appreciate is how deep those relationships are that are formed in the locker room with coaches and teammates. You've been in people's houses on official visits. You know the families. Um, and you become a family. And so these relationships aren't superficial. They're deep and they're meaningful and they're real. And that's the part that hurts me the most and our staff and the kids the most is, you know, you just you just had your, your family torn apart. And that hurts. And it's not... You know, it's not a bunch of casual acquaintances in that locker room. It really is. We've developed a true brotherhood and something special. And that's the part that pains me the most. We've got a bunch of great young men that are really hurt right now. Absolutely. Ian Shields, uh, former JU football coach here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're live at the Best Bet Jacksonville. Got a charity event coming up tonight. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane. Obviously, the JU football program discontinued on Tuesday. Stunning news around here in Jacksonville. All right, a couple quick hitters for you, Coach. Uh, what's next for you? I know you're going to try to take care of everybody else. That's part of your job, to think about everybody else first. Um, heck, we live not too far from you down there in St. John's County. Run into you all the time at the ballpark. Our kids play uh, similar ball together. Uh, yep. What what what's uh, what are you thinking? Well, you know, it's uh, it, it, it's not, you know, right now, like you mentioned, the first my first part is take care of the, the, the young men on our team and get them homes as many that want to keep playing, uh, trying to find them a home at the right level, and then you know, help my staff is, is part two and get them new homes and, you know, get to the convention and find find employment for everybody. And then I'll take care of myself and, 
can I got some time? What I, you know, it's kind of like that E plus R equals O. You got the event that happens, you got your response to it, and that's going to determine the outcome. And right now, I'm pressing the pause button before I respond. I just need to take a deep breath, pause, and then go find the next opportunity. And there'll be no shortage of opportunity. And like I said, we're I'm looking forward to the next opportunity, wherever it is, and whatever role it's in. I'm I'm looking forward to being a college football coach. Does this? Uh, that's interesting you say that because I wonder if these kind of moments. It's a tough gig sometimes for you guys. I know everybody says, "Oh, college football, I love to do it." Listen, it's a grind. Yes. Uh, moving your family around, you've been all over the place. I mean, I I could list the ten places even more that you've been in your coaching career. Uh, is yeah. there any part of this, uh, anything entering your mind right now that says, you know what? Maybe this is a, a sign to get out. You know, maybe it's yeah. just like, this kind of sours you to the point where it's like, you know what, it's time to maybe do something else. Anything like that cross your mind? Sure. I mean, I think everything crosses your mind. And, you know, you do get tired of, you know, that's the thing. That, that's one of the things that also hurts with this situation. Is we really found some roots here in the last four years in this community. Um, family loves living here in Jacksonville. Uh, my boys, I have three boys, are all... They're all in great situations individually and, and with their quality of education, their athletic endeavors, if they're involved in those. So, like, the family's in a really good situation. And that, that's what's tough here. If I take that next job, I'm, I'm pulling them out. And, and that's what college coaches and, and obviously, NFL coaches, where they get compensated enough, they, they can handle it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, people think at this level of college football, it's not like Alabama or Florida where people are making $3 million a year or a coordinator is making a million a year. Uh, you know, position coaches are making 400000 a year. That's, that's not the case at the FCS level and certainly here at JU. So, you know, these guys are living, most of my guys are living paycheck to paycheck, you know. So um, it's tough. you got to find the next gig and move your family and get new schools and find a new dentist and a new doctor and, I mean, people don't understand what goes on behind the scenes. The wives got to make new friends. Uh, you know, it's there's some real challenges associated with the position. It does make you scratch your head sometimes. Um, but also, it's it, you know, you kind of know what you get when you sign up for this. It's a volatile industry. It's a competitive industry. And, you know, it's kind of like being in the armed forces. You, you know you're going to move a couple every few years. You don't probably have the benefits of the armed forces, but, you, you know, it's probably not as dangerous, obviously, or serious. Yeah, we got to get rolling in a minute. I want to. I don't want to keep you too much longer anyway. But uh, what should they have done for the football program in your mind? Uh, you know, it goes all the way back. I think to the Big South, right? Uh, in terms, of, should they have well, been in the scholarship you know, program? Should they? What? What should Jay? There's no question. Falter? There's no question, Brent. There's there's no question on mine that the Jacksonville University should be a scholarship a location for a scholarship football. There's a niche here in Jacksonville. If you put money into it, if you branded it. If it, but you know, college football, you have to be a, you have to be in, all in or, or or out. But you know, when I took the job, Brent, that's what I was promised. I was said, hey, we're going to be uh, in the Pioneer Football League in 2016. We're going to be transitional in 2017 and 2018. We're going to be in the Big South Conference. That was what I was told. That's why I took the job. Obviously, none of that came to fruition, and, and everything got worse. Frankly, as far as those financial aid packages and the support for football, and obviously, the results speak to that. And you know, the budget certainly sprinkled that or anything else. It, it just wasn't optimal for to produce a winning football team uh, because, you know, frankly, the football program was suffocated here over the last four seasons. Ian Shields with us, former JU Dolphins football coach. Will they ever play football again on the campus of Jacksonville University? Because these things do come up from time to time. Oh, they do. And, and you never say never. And, and uh, 
you know, it's it, it's it's hard to rally a university around a math class. You know, I mean, it's hard to have homecoming um, at the soccer game. I'm just, you know, being real. So, you know, that I think they'll miss the enrollment. I think they'll miss the diversity. I think they'll miss the male enrollment. Um, and I think there may be some regrets, you know, 15, 20, 25 years down the road, and hopefully they do bring it back. It, it, like I said, it's a... It's a great game, and, and, and also I realize, I mean, I believe we're still in the south here in Florida. Uh, people love college football, and uh, it's too bad there's not an option for young men here in Duval County. Um, you have Edward Waters now, and that's it, and then you gotta you got to get in your car and use a half, half a tank of gas to get anyone else that does it. Yeah, and I think that is the interesting thing to me from a dynamic, you know, you look at University of North Florida, they obviously don't have it and, and haven't had it. So it's interesting when you have to add it. It's a different animal. And I, I think they're probably making the right decision, quite frankly, to not add it and keep basketball front and center. Uh, I've argued on, the, and to, just to be frank, uh, I think the JU, I think JU hasn't put enough into their basketball program over the years. Um, and whether football had anything to do with that or not, I don't know. But they, they should have put more into it, and, and maybe that does happen going forward. But it's very well, odd. Yeah. It's very odd to look at JU and UNF, the two universities here in town. I understand you have Florida and Florida State, and 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 we do it Bethune Cookman and and EWC and all. But it's very odd to look at those two institutions now here in the South and say, I don't play football. That's a weird thing. Well, it is, and I just think it. You know, it just depends what the strategic vision is for each institution. Um, obviously, it wasn't in the cards here at Jasper, not in the cards at UNF. But you could make a compelling case for it to be. I mean, the university here just came into a $150 million bond here in the last year. Uh, there's some money here. You can look around at all the buildings being built. There's some money here. We're taking a lot of creativity to keep the football program attached to some of that and support it. Absolutely. Uh, Ian Shields uh, with us. Uh, one last question for you, man. Uh, what would you say the percentages are, if you had to guess, of kids, you said I think 95 in, in your locker room, that will choose the tuition angle? and say, hey, I'm going to make this easier on mom and dad. That's a nice little lottery ticket to have. Um, or their passion to play football and college football at that will outweigh and go somewhere else. Any idea? Uh, it will it be a 50-50 yeah. type of thing, 80-20 type thing? What do you think? Yeah, I would say probably 80-20, maybe 70-30. I think most are going to try and get out and find a place to go play football. I mean, it kind of gets in these guys' blood. They, they, that's part of their how they identify as, as young men. And they're getting a great degree here at, at Jacksonville, and it's a great school, and there's some great people here. Um, so some of those kids might take that offer that might be on the bottom of the dash hard not played or maybe not as passionate about the game. But I would say you probably hit it close. You know, 80% are going to try and get on. Somewhere between 70 80% are going to hop in and try to another team to play. There are some great NAI, NAI options in Florida, some D2 options here regionally. And we have... I mean, we've got a line of coaches coming in our offices in the last couple of days. I mean, the body's still not in cold, you know, and it's, yeah. it's recruiting central. It's like we're a junior college right now and getting kids placed. Well, do well, your best to, to help those kids. I know that's first and foremost, you and the coaching staff and the kids as well. You want to say something? Well, yeah, I'm going to say, like, I mean, obviously, yeah, the, the scholarship, it is a great offer, Brent, you know, and I'm sure it kind of releases some of the financial burden on those kids' parents or even those kids in general. But at the end of the day, and Coach can attest to this, I mean, the, the, the memories that you make playing football, and it's only for a short period of time, those memories, man, are priceless. And you, you cannot put a price tag on those. Absolutely, and I'm going back and forth in my own mind because I tell people, I played Division II baseball, yeah. man, National Ohio. Nobody ever even heard of it. It doesn't sure. matter. Yeah. I wasn't this great. But it was awesome. Yeah. And I tell people, 
people all the time, I tell kids all the time, whatever, go find a – if you want to still play ball, go find a place to play ball. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be at Florida. It yeah. doesn't have to be in the ACC. <laughs> yeah. It can be anywhere, but go play ball. That was it. Yeah, I got four more years to play ball set. and have fun and being on a team and creating memories, yeah. new friends, all those things. So I get it. I'm mm-hmm. not saying I, I, I'm not sure which I would do. Sure. And I was, I'd be in that similar situation if they had canceled baseball, would I have stayed, where I, I and I could get a free tuition at yeah. school or go? I don't know. I think it's a really hard decision. And uh, I guess, coach, you're gonna have to play part psychologist a little bit with some of these guys. Yeah, and some you know will try and help point in the right direction, but by and large, I. I, I they're going to go out and want to go play. I mean, like I said, it's it's in their blood, and and you only get one. Like the window of opportunity to play college football is, is really small, right? I mean, you got you got five you got five years to get four seasons in, and it's a tight window, and not many are going to play beyond at the next level, obviously. Um, and well, some guys would get out here, and we'll get a full ride out of this, you know. And and uh, yeah. like I said. Uh, we're going to help them through it. That's our job one right now. Is let's put our heads down to get everybody placed with, a, with, a, with the best situation they can get in. And then, like I said, some will stay here at JU and, and uh, take them up. And like I said, I'd venture to guess there's, a, there's 15 to 20 of those kids and may do that. Well, Coach Ian Shields, I imagine the fire is still burning in the belly right now after the news of the last 48 hours. Uh, and I appreciate you coming out and, and, and talking to us about it and handling it the way you did. I'm not sure I could have, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's a really tough spot. Uh, good luck, obviously, to you and your family. We'll talk soon, but uh, good luck getting all these guys in the right places and everybody making the right decisions. And uh, happy holidays to you. Best of luck uh, for the next couple of weeks. You bet, Brenna. It's a tough situation, but you haven't heard the last one from uh, our staff or, or these Dolphin players. They're going to they're gonna resurface, and you're going to hear about them in some other spot. Awesome, man. Thanks for it. joining us. We appreciate it. Good luck with everything. That's uh, Ian Shields, JU Dolphins coach, and I think uh, probably about four or five minutes ago in that conversation, that's where you really got the nuts and bolts of it, and you yeah, could feel man. the, you could feel it, you could you could hear it in Ian's voice, and um, you know, very respectful in doing it all, but obviously, he didn't see this end coming, no. uh, not when he signed up for the job, and there's a lot of folks that say they should have gone the other way. Sure. And that will be debated for a long time. Well, and did, I think it, it, it will be debated within JU circles. He didn't see time. this coming, Brent, and I think he was a little, you know, I mean, a little mad that the fact the way it all turned out. Absolutely. He, he couldn't he tell his be. players, as he should be. Listen, he, I'd be he, he, he wasn't the guy to break it to his players. I, I like that's, a lot of people over at JU. I just, yeah, and I I'll think they honest, understand that. I'd be pissed that's, off. That's the wrong way to go. About, in my opinion, that's the wrong way to go about business. I mean, the coach should have been the one to break it down to his players. Yeah, and that's interesting from your point of view. Absolutely, man. And that does mean a lot to a team. Yeah. It does. And this isn't a coach I was getting let go. This is the team that was getting dismantled. It's different, man. That coach had every single right to tell his players they're not playing football here anymore. Uh, we'll come back talk about the Jaguars a little bit more and other NFL games going on, including that Dallas-Chicago game. I wanted to get a thought or two in on that. Uh, one more hour to go from the Best Bet Jacksonville here on ESPN 690. Thanks for hanging out. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the this is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Not to take anything for Nick, but I mean, he got hurt very on, and then things didn't go his way. Then we was able to see Garner do a lot of things for an extended point in time. So, I mean, also we get a little bit more excited when you see him come in because you know things he can do. But we know what both quarterbacks can do. So, you know, always equally excitable. But, I mean, you know, Garner has, a, you know, the magic, I guess. 
I tell you what, Avery Joe's a walking soundbite. He has the sauce, man. He has that magic. He is. Uh, he's really good. Our conversation a little bit earlier about Gardner Minshew and Nick Foles and the locker room and. I think that's a pretty good example of it right sure. there. Listen, he's got a buzz about him. I mean, whatever that is. Uh, yeah. um, look, for the next five years, or will you measure their careers? And, and if you ask players, will will Mitchell win a Super Bowl? Will will Foles be a better quarterback? Over? I don't know where that would lie, but right now it feels like there's a buzz. And when the co- coach says it's dead on offense, mm-hmm. and you could feel it in the building, yeah. and then all of a sudden Minshew goes in, I think that even can't be lost on the players. They felt that as well. Can you please do me a favor? Because we're talking about Avery Jones again. The mm-hmm. guy owes me some money. We've been over that. But the next time you're in the locker room, can you please find his Rolodex or the quotes that he uses from that Rolodex? Because when I played with him, when I trained with him, none of these quotes are coming out of his mouth. So I don't know where these are coming from. It's got to be some kind of Rolodex, some kind of app that he's using. But I want answers, Brett. Yeah, he uh, he's good. He's great. He's good. Not sure where it came from, but he's win or lose guy. He's good. Yeah. And uh, you know, we do this good guy award in the locker room for the from the media. Oh, that's nice. And last few years, I think Ryan O'Halloran might have started it up. Excuse me if he wasn't the one, but I think he did. Or wasn't Jalen Ramsey? Obviously, Jalen Ramsey has never won the award. Who was the one last year who won it? Calais is a two-time winner. Wow. In a row. Um, and I don't know who won this year. Okay. And I actually, I might have done the old like Heisman thing, like where you would give it to the career guy. Sure. Instead of like the guy, but <laughs> or it's like the Bill Belichick like should be coach of the year every year, or Nick Saban should be coach of the yeah, year every yeah. year, but they're not. But you, 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 you're generous. Sorry, Calais, but I actually bumped them down to number two oh, wow. to give a little love to Avery Jones. Okay, and I actually made Avery Jones my top pick. Wow. Now I don't know if Calais will do the show now with me. Yeah. Well, tomorrow, what, tonight. What, where does Chris Conley fall in this depth chart, man? I think I had Conley at number three. I believe. Okay. You do a you know, show with him too, man. So. And I will say, well. But this that's not what that award no, is no, based I on. No, no, I know. I'm just messing. And I do think I've actually been a little more detached than ever before, given the time frame when the locker room is available. Sure. So I have not gone in there as much. Yeah. So, quite frankly, I, I even told uh, DeRocco was doing it, Mike DeRocco from ESPN. Yeah. And I said, I'm not sure I should even have a vote. I haven't been in there that much. Yeah. Like, I feel like I know the guys, but I haven't been in there that much. So, mm-hmm. um, but anyway. We'll see who wins. But there's some good guys in that locker room. I, I just thought Avery Jones is kind of one of those under-the-radar guys yeah. that probably deserves some recognition. Because the thing about it is it's easy when it's going well. Of course. You know that. When yeah, it's course. bad. And, and Calais is one of those guys that always gets up. To, Conley is a guy that gets up and talk yeah. all the time. Well, I think even a young player like DJ Chark has been very good, and he'll answer questions. Yeah, you get some other. And, and I don't mind the others that say, I don't want to talk. I really don't. I mean, unless it becomes an habitual thing. Uh, T.J. Yeldon used to be really tough to get. Okay. But I always gave T.J. Yeldon a little bit of credit because Yeldon, I remember this day in Indianapolis where Yeldon ran for like 100 yards and two touchdowns, and we tried to get him after the game. He's like, I'll talk to you tomorrow. I don't want to talk today. And I'm like, anytime you'd want to talk would be that. You just rent. So <laughs> I moment. can appreciate a guy who says after two touchdowns and 100 yards, I'm going to talk tomorrow. I don't want to talk today. He's consistent. Not just after two fumbles and 20 yards. Even when it's going good or going bad. So I can and, appreciate that. But he was always the toughest guy. Like there were just some guys over the years that you just didn't know. Because, like Yeldon's one of them. Yeah. Because he was just really tough. I don't know if that was an Alabama thing. I don't know if that was a Yeldon thing. But I never could get a good feel for a guy like Yeldon even through interviews because you just didn't do it enough. Then there's your, your guy. From your time, who I think is the most genius play of all time, and that is Derek Harvey. Because <laughs> Harvey, it was a genius move. Yeah, he was yeah. so bad in front of a microphone. Sure. So bad, like within a month, yeah. everybody was like, I ain't even You're going over, over there. You don't want to do like, it anymore. I'm not even going over there. No. Like, I'm not doing it. Was that contrived? Was that planned? It might have been. Might have been. I, I, I'm not going to snitch on anybody, but 
might have been. But whatever it was, it worked. Sure. Because I never went. I mean, he was here for how many years? Three years? Yeah, three and, years. And I, I would say outside of those first Didn't give you any two, kind of substance. I never went over. It was just like a, it was a fruitless effort. Yeah. Well, and listen, and I'd probably vote Avery Jones as well. I didn't have a vote, unfortunately, but I don't really need one. But if anyone's got a, a right to be over it, Brent, it, it's the guy who's the longest tenured Jaguar in that locker yeah. room, and that's Avery Jones. So the fact that you know he's he's been professional throughout his entire career, it says a lot about his character and his upbringing. So props to him. Yeah, I, I got appreciation for those guys who just don't fly up there. Kind of like uh, what Ian Shields just talked to us. Yeah. I'd be so mad right now. Oh, dude, I would, last thing I want to do is talk like relive that scene again, especially after it's so fresh. But I think a little bit of part of Ian Shields wanted to get his side of it also. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, fend for his players and coaches. There's got to be a lot of angst right now uh, over there in that situation. So we appreciate uh, him coming on. We also had the happy hour horn ready to rock and roll, I believe, Scott. Uh, let's hit it. See the beautiful ladies marching in. There's enough for everyone to win. We're gonna make the party the best thing at me. This is my favorite place. Now bring the green face home. Anything goes. Gangsters are rolling. Half face smiling. And so I think the rhythm was your drinking. Grab a drink, get a shot, tip your star tenders. Yeah, wash down some of that uh, sushi. Yeah. At, uh, best bet, uh, Jack. You can certainly do that. You can do it with a little tequila. Vita DeLuis. VitaDeLuis.com is the place to go. Recently a 98 rating. And by the way, the new flavors, Reposado and Yeho, got a 94 rating right out of the box. That's really big stuff in that world. So uh, go buy yourself some Vita DeLuis tequila. Great gift as well for the holidays. Made in Tequila, Mexico, shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita Deluit Tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. Once again, VitaDeluit.com, uh, the place to go. How about the sushi, by the way? Oh, fantastic sushi. You know what? The fries, pretty on point. There was mixed reviews oh. from a, oh, a lady who came. I, 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 I stuck one. You yeah. didn't see me, but yeah, pretty you can legit. Have more. But um, yeah, buddy, you said that somebody was disputing. Like yeah, was. she was. Uh, she was kind of calling you out a little bit, she man. Was. And you know what? Well, fine. Pretty good fries. I'll take the fries. But it's funny though. So you know the quote I always say is, "Grab a drink, get a shot, tip your star tender." Yeah. And I've told this story where that originated from a bar in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, then during the break, I told you about I was watching this uh, GQ interview with Aaron Rodgers and Bon Iver. Uh, his name's Justin Byrne. He's, he's the lead singer of Bon Iver. Now you didn't hear Bon Iver. That's okay. You know. Step your game up a little bit, Brent, but I that's okay. I have no idea. I still don't know what you've said. Bon Iver. Okay. Anyways, but it was the lead singer, Justin Vernon. They're doing this interview, and at one point, because Justin Vernon's from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, Aaron Rodgers says, have you ever been in the Pickle, which is the, the bar that originated at. So they actually had a, about a three-minute conversation about that bar that I was at where I got the quote from. So Aaron Rodgers has been there before, and spoiler alert, he said he's going to go back in the offseason. And that's Eau Claire, Wisconsin? Eau Claire, Wisconsin. When yeah. are we going? See, here's what we're doing. We're planning a little trip, maybe. Yeah. That's a little getting ahead of things. Yeah, but yeah. last year we did, like, Last year the goal was to do a little alma, alma mater day. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, well, can we? We'll have some fun. We went down to Flagler. Yep. Uh, Coos confessed to plagiarizing to the school president. <laughs> he did. Um, we, we've done Murray State pretty much every single episode. John Morant, Quincy Williams. There really so. hasn't been enough Ashland University on the show, <laughs> there but there's been man. enough. Yeah. There's been enough. Okay. Uh, and so then, so next year I'm thinking, well, let's go to the hometowns. 
Let's do it. I want to go to the 40. Let's do it. Oh, you want to go to the 40? Yeah. Okay, well, and this is the thing, Brent, because we talked about it a little bit, where the Jaguars are supposed to play in Green Bay next year. And what a perfect time to kind of kill two birds with one stone, get there a little early. We can go to the 40. Uh, depending on when it is, we can go skiing a little bit, do a little snowboarding. We can go to the taverns if you want. We can do a lot of things, man. Yeah, so I, uh, we're, we're debating, right? We're like, exactly. we're going to see when the schedule comes out yeah. in April. Yeah. So, and if it fits, yeah. maybe we go a few days early. Yeah. I haven't told the guys in the office this yet, so I'm not sure how this is going to go over. Sure, sure. Yeah, we're thinking out loud. We'll run it by them first. Like a, yeah. I don't know. I don't have to run it by them. Okay. This is the way we're doing it. Okay. I got you. I'll tell them if it comes to that. Oh, man, but I can make out a whole list of things that we can do. I just got to figure out how long we go. And then maybe we make a venture toward uh, Rhode Island. I like that, man. I don't even know where we'd go. I'd have to I would have to really think about that. Sure. You, do, uh, you guys got like a mall in Rhode Island we can hit up, and that's about it or what? Like, Providence I'm, Place Mall. Okay, because I'm not going to lie. I hear Rhode Island, and I don't know what you guys are really bringing to the table. I'll be honest. Well, there's Newport. Okay. I is that the that's, uh, two big cigs there? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't know what Newport is. You've never heard of Newport, Rhode Island? I don't think so, man. I'm sorry. Really? Do, do they make the cigarettes? No. No, I don't. Okay. Think okay. Really well, Maybe what, that's Newport News or okay. Newport Beach. Well, what is what is the Newport? What is uh, that? It's like uh, it's like I'd say like Charleston, South Carolina, okay. or um, or St. Augustine. Okay. Kind of like place. so. So people are going to spring break in Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, and spring All break. All the kids Summer are getting break. out. Okay, I got you. Okay. It's okay. a little too chilly okay. in the spring. Fair enough. Um, and maybe we do have to go to Newport. Oh, uh, we Island definitely got to go. Then. You're painting the picture. I'm trying but, to. Uh, but we'll see. Anyway, yeah. we got to figure that out. Maybe go a little hometown. Yeah. Uh, swing yep. in 2020. Thought that would be kind of fun. Uh, is this game tonight going to be any fun? Chicago and Dallas. Yeah. Disappointment Bowl. Uh, um, I, I'm <laughs> telling you, man, Dallas. Okay. They're my Super Bowl team. Yeah. And uh, by the way, don't I'm not giving up on that yet. You haven't hit the panic button yet? No, I've hit the panic button. Okay. I'm not giving up okay. On All I gotta do is maybe get in. Hey, maybe you should though. All I gotta do is get in and then decide yeah. maybe we should play some decent football <laughs> with the stacked roster that we have. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, are you kidding me? Why why are they in this situation? With this roster. You know, and, and listen, I don't want to use the excuse of uh, injuries on the offensive line, but they have, they've had some. But you look at that roster top to bottom, Brent, and there's way too much talent to be middle of the pack right now. Um, you know, Dak Prescott, who we thought was going to be the, like the $100 million man in the start of the season, he's regressed a little bit. And I think teams are just kind of getting hip to the game right now. You know, you, you have a very young offensive coordinator uh, calling the shots and everything, and he, he came out swinging for the fences, doing well. But I think ever since that Saints game, it seems like teams are starting to get, you know, a little more keyed in on them. And uh, they haven't looked at the same after that Saints game. So from that perspective, Brent, yeah, I mean, can can the Cowboys turn around? Absolutely. Will they? I don't know. I, honestly, I still like the Eagles. I really do. The funny thing is, usually you get a, a team like Chicago. Sure. Right? That will, will all right, they're disappointing. Mm -hmm. And some people probably could say, yeah, it's predictable. Well, their quarterback play has been sketchy. He's playing a little bit better as of late. Yeah. But their but quarterback play is sketchy. Where they took him, I mean, it's kind of like the Blake Bortles effect, it feels like, a little bit. They, they're riding that out a little bit yeah. like that, right? Yeah. I mean, shoot, I feel like Blake Humble's made more plays. He just didn't make as many mistakes. Trubisky doesn't make as many mistakes. Sure. I'm not sure Trubisky makes plays. Maybe, maybe he should make some mistakes and try a little bit, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, they don't do much with that offense. So, yeah. So they're disappointing. And you can kind of point to the QB. What's interesting is if you look at some of Dak's numbers, mm. like he'll have a game and throw for 444. And so it's not like Dak. It's like Dak hasn't hit this major slump. He may be kind of playing in the shadow of that contract that looms. Yeah. But they don't. They haven't been hugely hit by the injury bug. There's really no way to finger point 
why they've been so bad. And it's interesting because Jerry Jones, after they lost to the Patriots, yes, you know, he goes crazy. And for four straight days, he's he's uh, got uh, talking to the media and trying to correct himself and trying yeah. to support Garrett, which is and such it a wrong such thing a distraction. To do. Yeah. Now, sometimes when you do those things, it becomes the, it's kind of like a message. And, and I think in the past, like teams like the Cowboys have responded to it. Well, this one was on Thanksgiving week. It was yeah. a short week. They did not respond to it. Mm-hmm. So now it balloons and it adds up. And, and now you're like, who are these Dallas Cowboys? So it had the opposite effect. If he was going to do something like that, he should have done it when they lost to the Jets. Exactly. Remember that week, yeah. like yeah. way back early on? Yep. Where nobody was losing to the Jets. Nobody's and they lost the to the Jets. Yep. So they're just weird. It's just a weird. you got to believe that cloud of Jerry kind of does something to their team because I don't. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott's obviously not having this unbelievable year, but he also hasn't been terrible. Mm-hmm. So it's really no – I just can't pinpoint why they're not good. No, and listen, I wish I had the answer, too, because I'm not going to use the injuries as an excuse. It's just that they're not playing good football, and, and then that falls as a cohesive unit. And the Chicago Bears, all things considered, you know, they're, they're a year off of making the playoffs and, you know, just a field goal away from advancing on. The, I mean, sorry, the, the Bears haven't done much either. And I think with the Bears, obviously, their identity, their calling card was their defense. And their defense has kind of let up a little bit this year, especially in the run game. They're giving up a lot on the ground, you know. And I get it. Vic Fangio is gone now, and they've entered Chuck Pangino. Uh, Ch- Ch- I'm sorry, Chuck, what is it? It's uh, the guy from Pagano. the Colts. Yeah, Chuck Pagano. And, you know, his philosophy is a little different where he likes to blitz a little more and Vic believes more in just, you know, doing the base defense. So that's changed a little bit. But all things considered, the Bears' defense has been a liability, but let's keep in mind, it goes hand-in-hand. When your offense isn't rolling, there's always so much the defense can do before, the, I guess, everything just breaks away. Who do you like tonight? I feel like a must-win game more for the Cowboys, I feel like, because if the Cowboys don't win this one, it's like, man, like, what are you guys doing? And it is in Chicago. It's on Soldier Field where that field is absolute trash to play on, especially this late in the season. But I think I'm I'm taking Dallas. I am, too, and I hate road teams on Thursday nights. Oh, of nights. course. Hate them. Especially at that field against, you know, the Bears' defense. And this is why I'm not, I wouldn't be a good better, is because a lot of times, like, you just don't go with the trends. Yeah. If you just ride the trends. But I just don't fully believe Dallas is that bad. Mm-hmm. And so I'll take Dallas tonight, and I'll lose that game. Because the trend says, take Chicago. Yeah. Plus three at home on a Thursday night. Of course. And the trend says it's, it's a cold-weather game, probably going to be a very physical game. Obviously, I think the Cowboys have the advantage in the trenches. you got Ezekiel Elliott. But somehow, you know, you just have the bad feeling that the Bears are going to find a way to win. Yeah, it's 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 two teams you just don't trust. Exactly. You can't trust the teams right yeah. now. Uh, two disappointing teams uh, for sure. Hey, when we come back, let's get back to another disappointing team, that one right here in town. Except uh, their games down the stretch won't matter nearly as much as this one tonight we're talking about. Yeah, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Miles Jack, done for the season. We'll get back to that part of it. What does it mean? Donald Payne? Well, show-and-tell moment for him coming off a pretty good performance a week ago. More Jags. It will stay in your lane. Let's bring it back. It's been what, a while. What is that again? Yeah, we're going to rev it up. Okay. Uh, let me go to go the archives real quick, and I can dig one up. It's on Hopefully. the way. ESPN 690. Now, back to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and in the TuneIn Radio app. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, well, like I say, uh, things happen. You know, you, uh, a lot of things is out, of, out of our control. You know, the biggest thing that I learned that, you know, you have to control what you can control. You know, so I try, I try to go out there, play my part the best way I can to help the team out. That's Leonard Fournette. He's been doing his part now. 
And that uh, was one of the things I wanted to talk about a little bit today is where where can uh, the Jaguars take this season from an individual standpoint? You know, you got guys like Leonard Fournette, who's about to go over 1,000 yards. Obviously not many touchdowns, but he'd love to add to it. Maybe even, you know, pile up some touchdowns, five or six of them in the last four games, yeah. and then it looks a lot better. His receptions, he's already broken the franchise record for receptions in a season by a running back. Sure. He's three clear of that record, and he's got four games to go. I think getting 16 games in for Leonard Fournette and staying healthy would be a huge milestone. Oh, so, without a doubt. When you think about some of the individual things, and that's really all I've got left, I want to see Gardner Minshew play, right? How many wins can he pull off? What does he look like? I think it's a big deal. These next four games kind of it will shape some of our narrative and perspective going into this offseason of what this team might look like and be in 2020. But Fournette having a good year, really good year, and finishing that off with stockpiling some numbers. DJ Chark, he's on the verge of getting 10 touchdowns. That's a magic number for a receiver. So if he could get those 10 touchdowns, get to 1,000 yards. Heck, Chris Conley, you know, is about 350 yards away. That seems like a lot. It's probably too much. But could he catch a little fire in these last four games, have a couple 100-yard games, and then he might knock on the door of 1,000 yards. So there are those things to look at, including Josh Allen, who have on Jaguars All-Access coming up tonight at 7 on Fox 30. And he's already got the rookie sack record, but now he starts putting together a resume like Yannick Ngakwe has put up, Mm -hmm. and you start projecting three, four years down the road and how many sacks he might start compiling. Well, he's laying the groundwork for that. He could really run away with this rookie sack record with four games to go, and he's got nine. Yeah, without a doubt, man. And, and listen, I think we were all high on Josh Allen when he got drafted. We knew he'd be something special, but we got to keep in mind a lot of that specialness it comes from playing with guys like Clayus Campbell. It comes with guys playing with like Yannick Ngakwe, where if you're a rookie and you're still trying to learn your techniques, you're still trying to master your pass rush moves. Well, having that offensive line, having the offense, you know, offensive corner to have to worry about other guys in that team, and you kind of just go by the wayside, even though you're a beast for a rookie, that's a that's an advantage a lot of guys don't have. So from that perspective, yeah, it, it is great to be Josh Allen, what he has around him. Um, to get back to Leonard Fournette's purposes a little bit here, I think the biggest question we had, Brent, is can the guy play a full season? You know, and I think going forward now, especially because you look like a Todd Gurley, look at all these running backs now, and their, their expiration dates, Brent, that seem to be getting, you know, just closer and closer to like, you know, two, three years here, and you're on to the next one. I think with Leonard Fournette, if he can stay healthy, knock on wood, if he can have a, you know, the, the, a good start to the last quarter of football for the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's only going to benefit him going forward, because if he can show that, yes, I can play a full season, I can take the brunt of the workload, well, even if a new coaching staff comes in here, they're going to like that and probably want to sign him to a new deal. Yeah, that's, uh, oh, that, then that will be the next phase of that, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, will that eventually come up? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know if he's playing for that just yet. I think there's probably another year to go to see No, without that. a doubt, but I'm just saying this season helps. <laughs> but, but, but no, you're right. It, it, yeah. it certainly uh, won't hurt him uh, doing that. Obviously, the news of the day is Miles Jack goes on IR. Donald Payne will be that middle linebacker. Maybe we do see Jake Ryan at some point this year. Uh, that's kind of been a waste because of the injury and the setback that he had. Miles Jack will go into 2020 coming off a year where he got extended and made a lot of money but really didn't play well. Yeah. Miles Jack might go into 2020 almost like Leonard Fournette went into 2019. Not completely parallel, but the same idea with a ton to prove in 2020. He could become or start to become a little bit the 
the chorus of the fans be like, all right, what do you do? Because remember now, Fournette was maligned at times last year with everything going on. Miles Jack, I don't think, has reached that point. But the patience could wear thin with a guy like Miles Jack if he doesn't start making plays in 2020, especially early in that season, as a captain and as a new contract guy. Exactly, and keep in mind, when the new coaching staff comes in like we assume they will, I mean, they're pot committed to to Miles Jack. He's going to be on the Jaguars, hands down. And the difference between Leonard Fournette's situation and Miles Jack's situation, at least in my opinion, is the fact that when you go into next season, Miles Jack's not going to know where he's going to play yet. I understand he wants to play that Mike linebacker. He, he wants to be the general and everything. But, yeah, a coach is going to come in here, a defensive-minded coach or a defensive-minded coordinator, obviously, and he may say, oh, very cool. You want to play middle linebacker? Well, no, uh, you're going to the outside because that's where I want you to play. And, unfortunately, I don't think he's going to have a lot of say in that, even though he is the captain. Um, you know, and, and Todd Wash speaks so highly of him. At the end of the day, he's kind of at the mercy of whatever the coaches want to put him. So if you're in Miles Jack's spot, Yes, you got a new contract. That's fantastic. Yes, you kind of underachieved this year, didn't have the, the season you probably wanted. And, yes, you're probably a little stressed right now going into next year because, let's be honest, you don't know where you're playing yet. You know, and I also believe that as much as he was a stickler on wanting to play that middle linebacker spot, I, ne- I don't necessarily think he will, like, be mad being moved to the weak side spot if that's what ends up happening. Under I mean, I, when I, you asked him, Brent, he was very adamant that he was a middle linebacker. I, I get it, but I, I also think because he had trained to that point, now that he's kind of played there and not had a ton of success there, I've got to believe his mindset might be like, hey, depending on what scheme is in place, right? Yeah. Got to be like, you know what? I might be able to be a, a pro bowler every year at this position. Kind of like what you said. Sure. Again, there's been a little back and forth that when I've asked and said, in this scheme, middle linebacker, weak side linebacker, is not as much of a difference as some other schemes to highlight a guy that would fit better at weak side versus the middle linebacker. I don't know how much I believe that. The bottom line is, if his skill set fits weak side linebacker better, if you're telling me, hey, Brent, you can win awards and make more money if you go slide to this side of the table rather sure. than this side of the table, and you're still going to play all the time, well... I'm going to think about that. And I think some of his failures of this year might help him think about that is my point. Well, absolutely. And and if I'm a new coordinator coming in and I'm talking to Miles Jack, and let's really assume that maybe he is proud, Brent. Maybe he wants to play middle linebacker because he's very adamant when when you talk to him about it. But let's say you're the new coach coming in. What do you say to him? And it's simple as this. Like, listen, I've, I've, I've seen your numbers. I've seen you on film. Do you want to make a, a next big money contract again, or do you just want to be a run-of-the-mill guy? Because right now, you play middle linebacker, it's like trying to you know, fit a, like a square peg in a circular hole. It just it doesn't work, man. And if I'm the defensive coordinator, you know, if I'm like that Ron Rivera or any guys that are used to making their players adapt to, or I'm sorry, adapting a system to their players, I'm going to be like, listen, man, you're, you're way too fast, you're way too athletic, we could use you more at the outside. I think if you explain it to Miles Jack, he should be all for it, as he should, because at the end of the day, it's about making the plays. It's about getting the stats. And in my opinion, I've been very adamant about it. I think the plays to make with Miles Jack occur on the outside, at the outside linebacker spot. So if they do that, that means Quincy Williams is just a depth play and special teams guy? Nope, not at all, because it, it all depends where they put him. You know, I mean, let's say they go a 3-4 defense, which a lot of defenses are running now, or at least a hybrid. I mean, I could easily envision, this is what I wanted from the get-go, I could easily envision um, Yannick Ngakwe, Josh Allen playing outside linebacker, and Miles Jack, 
Jake Ryan's here. Quincy Williams play that middle linebacker spot. Hmm. You really want that 3-4. I mean, how's the defense doing right now, man? I, I, like, I, I, would, I would take a 3-4, yes. Because in my eyes, you put your best players on the field um, at the same time. Simple as that. In my opinion, right? Let's 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 talk about it quick, Brent. In my going forward, right now, because we got to keep in mind, we got you know guys like Clayus Campbell, Marcel Darius, but the players going forward on the defensive line, who's the future right now? Who's who 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 are the core players you can build around on that defensive line? Oh, Jan, Josh Allen. Yeah, well, there's the first two right there. Yeah. And when you have Jan and Josh Allen, well, to be fair, Josh Allen's only on the field for about forty percent of the time. Yeah, has been on him. I want and look how many sacks he's got already. Look how many plays he's made being on the field half the time. I want that all the time. I want a player like that on the field a hundred percent. I want Yannick Ngakwe on the field a hundred percent. That's why I'm so adamant about the three four defense. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to have to potentially replace Calais Campbell. Yeah. Um, you know, Avery Jones, he's he's I think he's done a nice job. Yeah. Can he play that inside role yeah. on that front and yeah. be Really good. Will they have to try to get somebody else to do that? I mean, do you draft somebody else to do that? And then yep. Avery's your depth guy there. I mean, who I mean, knows? I mean, yeah. you, you got a lot to play. You're going to have to do a lot of figuring out. Mm-hmm. There's question marks. And a lot of that will depend on free agency and drafting, too, if you decided to go that route. Yeah. But it would certainly cover up their lack of depth at the linebacker position. Without a doubt. And at the end of the day, the most important thing, Brent, of a 3-4 defense are those outside linebackers. Because a lot of teams, even when the the 3-4 defense was first implemented, when teams started using it, they would have one good outside linebacker and the other guy that kind of had to cover up a little bit. When you got Yannick Ngakwe and Josh Allen, an outside linebacker, you have something that a lot of teams cannot say they have. They have two bona fide, legit, Pro Bowl-type rush linebackers. And... That's what the fourth. I'm sorry. That's what the three-four defense is all about. So if you can do that, I say you do it. I guess the only question I have there is you've got two guys that have been super productive in the defense that you are playing. Correct. In terms of the four-three. Yeah. What's it going to look like if I flip it around in three-four? Do I hurt their production? Well, I mean, they've been mega productive. I'm going to say this. Uh, I think Yannick Ngakwe has to get used to it a little bit, you know, but he's he's playing, he's standing up now, so he's used to it from that aspect. Josh Allen last year, uh, you know, at, at UK. Ran a 3-4 defense. Yeah. And I know that defense because his, def- his defensive coordinator that coached him was actually my safety's coach back at Murray State. So okay. I know the defense that they run. All right. Uh, well, here's the deal. I don't know if it will happen next year, but by 2027, maybe we'll get a 3-4 <laughs> defense for Austin. Mike. I'm just going to keep Aaron on Jackson. tweeting until it happens, man. I'm just going to keep on speaking it into existence. Uh, at least a hybrid. Give me something. Let's speak a break into existence. <laughs> when we come back, uh, we still have a little stay in your lane. A couple of uh, interesting topics. Did you see the San Francisco uh, analyst that got suspended? No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't see that? I story. did not see it. All right. All right. That's coming up. Uh, we'll talk about that, uh, among some other things, next on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Josh, as a, as a rookie, you know, I think he's making an impact, which I think is tough coming from college uh, to the NFL to be an impact rusher as a fre- or freshman, as a rookie. And uh, you see him doing that. And a lot of it is, you know, credit to the young man. Obviously, Coach Rebovich has done a really nice job with him. Getting him to understand how to study the tape, break down his opponents, and uh, attack an offensive lineman. How much do you think the old cliche of scratching the surface, just getting started, all that stuff applies 
for Josh Allen. He's a physical specimen. I mean, the one thing about it is, like, we'll do this show tonight, Jaguars All Access, and Calais Campbell will be there. And you talk about a physical specimen, and you're talking about Calais Campbell. But what I've been surprised by this year is when I see a guy like Josh Allen, when I saw him at the draft, when, I, when I've seen him, you know, not in a football uniform, like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, that guy, you talk about getting off the bus. Yeah. That guy looks the part. My point of all this, though, is Yannick Ngakwe, when he set the rookie record, I think people still wonder, like, all right, he's a third-round pick, though. I mean, is he? was that just a really good year? Was he the beneficiary of all these other things? What, what was really going on? Well, he's proven that that's Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah. He's a playmaker. He can get after the quarterback. He yeah. can change games. Is Josh Allen even beyond that sure. because of his physical skill set? I mean, yeah. how do you view so, him from a ceiling? So here's the thing. When you do this show and you're, you're pumping up Josh Allen, it's a big name for your show. I'm happy for you. You would just call him Black Panther. Say Black Panther. Say Black Panther will be joining me tonight to talk some Jaguars football well, because I, the guy's I, built like an action figure. I wish you didn't say that because that's what I'm wearing to host the show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Please send me a screenshot of that. I wish so, I had thought of that, or I would have. Oh, you should have, man. Oh man, that'd been genius. But any, or not? <laughs> I mean, it would make a great TV from my perspective. But uh, getting, getting, you know, getting back to the topic at hand, though. So. You know, is this just really, you know, the beginning for Josh Allen? And I believe it is, Brent, because I think, and listen, and Josh Allen, he's a hell of a player. Um, and I mean this as no disrespect to Josh Allen, but I think when Yannick Ngakwe originally set the record, he did it more with his um, his skill set. He did it more being a finely polished pass rusher already. From what we've seen from Josh Allen before, and I was the first guy that said, listen, he has to work on his pass rush moves a little bit. You just can't rely on athleticism. Well, guess what? Josh Allen this year, a lot of his sacks have just come from his physicality and his athleticism. And usually the way it works is, I don't care if you play in the SEC or if you play at Murray State, usually the way it works is you rely on your strength, you rely on your speed, obviously, because you're just you're more athletic than everybody, right, at any level. But then when, once you get to the NFL, we're talking the cream of the crop, the best of the best. Usually you just can't get by with your physicality, your athleticism. Josh Allen has got by with that in college. Now, yeah, he's he's working some good pass rush moves, but I'm saying once he polishes his pass rush set and once he polishes just you know his hand placement, just the small nuances that come with experience, I think the guy's going to be unstoppable. And I understand that concept. Now, I talked to Calais for the last few years, and even him, I, I asked him last week a little bit, just like, all right, are you feeling like it's starting to go at all or how, you feel like you're still at a high level? And you can even get the sense talking to him, he's like, listen, it might not be, the motor might not get where it used to get, or maybe it is starting to go a little bit. But even at the base level, I can still blow people up and get to the quarterback and defend the run. And sure. So there's that. It almost comes around on the flip side. He's so athletic, so gifted, so big, and can move that even when the skills maybe start to erode, whether that's now or next year, he's confident that he can still be very effective in the NFL. So that was an interesting way to look at it. It's yeah. kind of the flip side for a young guy, where you're just solely relying on those things. But when you're that gifted, you're that gifted. <laughs> well, and, and that's the crazy thing, man. I mean, I'm talking like Aaron Donald gifted. Even when Aaron Donald came out, like, oh, he's a little undersized. You know, can he make it in the league? Well, Aaron Donald's get-off and his explosiveness, man. Like, yeah, maybe he didn't have the best technique as a rookie, but his explosiveness showed up on film where it's like he can get by with just explosiveness alone, which is so rare coming from the college level to the pro level. And Josh Allen's the exact same way with his size and strength and obviously his speed as well. All right, we're going to get to, you know, we, we 
we do balling and falling. We haven't done much of it. Yeah. Those balling and falling, I do. LeBron James and the Lakers have been outstanding. Correct. But now LeBron doesn't need to dribble. Yeah. Did you see that play? <laughs> I did see that play. I thought yeah. it was great that at least he acknowledged it, didn't hide, try to hide he it. Said it's like up. one of the worst malfunctions well, of my career or something. I love how he called it a malfunction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, listen, <laughs> the, the eye in this guy doesn't mind, okay? There was like 10 million people on Twitter that commented about that play, so there's no hiding from it, LeBron. It, it's such a. It's a, one of the weird things that's happened in sports. Mm-hmm. I think the catch rule was a little like this in the NFL for a bit, where it's like we don't even know what exists anymore. Yeah. Well, that's the travel in the NBA. True. The travel in the NBA, it's like, eh, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay if you cheat and you, well, you travel. I yeah. Mean, I understand. But, I mean, what is a travel? No, like, you're, and, and I, This was an exception. But my point, it just got me thinking about the travel. Yeah. And it's just a joke. It's like a, it's a laughing stock of the NBA to say <laughs> they just get away with the travel. Like sure. Some people think Harden, every time he takes a shot, travels. I think they call that the Euro sky, friend. But no, no, and I completely agree. But like, let's be honest. Like, nothing I feel like kills the momentum, the viewership of the NBA game. Like calling travels, like calling like three second lane violations. You know, like those things. And I get it. I mean, they should like you know, for prime example, the the carry. How many times do you see guys yeah, carry the basketball? But, yeah. like, you don't ever see that really call just Once because... Once in a while you see it now in college, who yeah. they change the definition of it a little bit. True. I get it. I'm yeah. Saying, it's just like, what in the world yeah. was that? And they've but let it, it go so much inch by inch that now it's a foot. Well, and it's weird because if you're that ref that calls all those things, if you're trying to, you know, rule with an, uh, with an if a gavel, you're almost the outlier. You know, coaches are like, dude, yeah, it was a travel, but what do you call that yeah. for? Come on. Oh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That guy wasn't stopping the game with exactly. LeBron yesterday. <laughs> no, that was wasn't. hilarious. That was I mean, awesome. The one good thing about that is, like, didn't really change anything. Didn't change a damn you know, thing. Didn't so change anything. Well, and it's, the playoffs. it's even sitting at the top of the key. Yeah. But yeah. now, let's be honest. If we're in the playoffs, we're talking, like, in, you know, in Or if it was Western to finish a basket around the rim, and yeah. it's, like, 14 steps, which sometimes it is, sure. well, then that, I have a different feel about somebody just kind of picking up the ball <laughs> in that moment. Agreed. Um, all right. Uh, the San Francisco analyst, did you see I this? Ju- uh, I just read about so, it. So, Lamar Jackson... And they're playing the Niners. Well, one of the the analysts for San Francisco yeah. had this to say during the game. It was so he's really good at that fake, yeah. Lamar Jackson. But when you you consider the, when he's his dark skin color with a dark football with a dark uniform, you could not see that thing. I mean, you literally could not see when he was in and out of the mesh point. So that obviously that wasn't uh, during the game, but it was after yeah. talking about playing Lamar Jackson, and this has got him in trouble. It's got him suspended. Good, and as it should. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I. What are, you, what are we well, doing? Listen, what okay. are we doing? I so, guess I don't yeah, even know. I, I, I know. This you're, is you're, a better topic for baffled, you. Yeah. It's a better topic for you. What I always like to like, it doesn't matter if I'm offended by it. Sure. It doesn't matter where it is on the list of offenses. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not a minority. Yeah. I'm not a black person. Well, uh, I mean, I, what, when you hear that, yeah. So, which I don't think, by the way, he was necessarily trying to be derogatory towards him. But if yeah. that's how you're paying someone a compliment... Well, yeah, and here's the thing. And the, and the guy's name, congratulations. You got all of you talking about you. The guy's name's Tim Ryan, okay? So yeah. I said your name. Maybe you got what you wanted there. Congrats but I on that's you. my point. I don't think he was chasing after okay. that. Did, did well, it sound like he no, was chasing no, after no, that it there? Didn't. It did. But, no, but at the same time, 
All you got to say is good. Good. I, you know what? I'm glad you said that because you know why? You're telling on yourself, man. Yeah. I, I, if you're trying to pay somebody a compliment by saying that the football got lost in their black skin and their black uniform, you're, you're, you're an absolute idiot. And if you if you said that and it didn't register that, ooh, I should apologize for that ASAP, well, then you're telling on yourself even more. And you know what? I, I get it, dude. Like, I'm, I'm part of the media now. So, like... It's funny, bro. Like, I compare, like, what we do, like, with other, like, you know, like, the guys that we talk to sometimes, and we talk to Carolina, we talk to Tampa. Like, I think everyone in the media, we're all family, you know? We're all kind of, like, one shield as well, kind of like being in the NFL. But at the same time, I'm not going to co-sign on this idiot in San Francisco that says something that's racist or bigotory, because I truly think it is. And if you don't apologize for it right away, and you don't say, I shouldn't have said it like that, that came out wrong, then you're telling on yourself. So, by all means, keep doing it, because you know what? That's going to open up a job for someone that knows the you know knows how to speak to the audience and that, that is not a bigot and at the end of the day if you truly think that's the case where his skin color covers up the ball then why aren't more quarterbacks wearing long under armor sleeves why isn't Nick Foles you know wearing like the long under armor sleeves that are, that are black I mean I, come on but yeah that, uh, I'm not even going to try to make sense of it like okay, I, said, I wanted you yeah, to at least yeah, have the well, opportunity to I appreciate it man yeah. uh, so he's been suspended and yeah. really uh, it brings a little bit of a dark cloud, negative light to San Francisco, which has been a banner it's been year so, great, yeah. uh, so far in this uh, this football season. Uh, when we come back, we'll put a bow on the show. Here from the best bet, Jacksonville. Uh, Mark Kay will jump in real quick. Tell us what this is all about. You're going to get ready to play yeah. a little poker, and uh, maybe we'll re kindle the segment stay in your lane yeah that's whatever like i said man if it's, we do it's we in do. the archives you it's know like it's in the archives suspended for a week or i something. guess so man it's just positive for something i don't know what i do dude tell me it's on ir uh it's next on espn 690 hey this is deontay the bronze number one the wbc heavyweight champion of the world and you're watching action sports jocks Hey, welcome back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brett Marco, Austin Lane for a few more minutes. Ah, forget about Austin. You know, we just had a cage match, and Mark K beat him. I, so, I fought dirty, though. That's exactly I fought dirty. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I gave him... You know what I did? I, I gave him a wristband for the open bar so that he went over there, and now I just grabbed his headphones. <laughs> By the way, he's the only person I've met who leaves his headphones as loud as I do. This is incredible. Uh, this, look at this. It's no, all I know. jacked up. What I you love get? it. Hey, look. This, when you get hit in the head a few times, <laughs> is that what it is? That's what happens. Great. I've, I've been beat up a lot. Does that count? Maybe that's why I'm so deaf. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You're supposed to sit down for the video oh, feed, but Kuz is doing the first thing helpful all day. I, and oh, he's DJ Kuzi, what's there up? There we go. See did, that? Oh, look at that. Did he tell you that he's part of uh, one of our bounties in our tournament he as well did. as Austin? Uh, the big thing. We're gonna we'll be talking about this for three hours tomorrow. Oh yeah. Uh, whoever wins. He so. the first year DJ Kuzi. The first year I invited him. He'd never played. I after work one day I brought cards. And chips to the station. I set up a table. I taught him how to play, and he went all the way to the final table. He was the last bounty standing. I was a little no annoyed. That's, I'm going to be honest with you. That's <laughs> awesome. So the ho 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 hold'em tournament. That's right. Um, Mark K, of course, from uh, WAPE WOKV. Third year doing this. Uh, K's kids. Dreams come true, which is fantastic. They're uh, great. A lot of dollars going to help oh, yeah. kids uh, around the holidays. It's pretty cool. Cool night, huh? It is great. And, you know, the first time we did it, it was like, hey, let's just try this, which always happens with an event. The second year, we're like, all right, let's try it one more time. But when you get to the third year, it really explodes. And the, even we were just talking, the, the best bet over here, and they're great. They moved us to our own private area because we've grown this event so much. We've raised more money pre-sale than we have total after the tournament in the last year or two. So I'm really looking forward to tonight. We have almost 12 full tables. Awesome. We're 
broadcasting it, of course, as always, and and just the general. And it's fun. That's the other thing. You get a lot of you get a lot of amateur poker players who are here to drink and hang out and eat and have a good time and help charity, and they all walk away going, "Man, that was a blast." That's awesome. Are you any good? I mean, I don't. I've got a poker face. No, I'm horrible. Sit down next to me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't win my own tournament. Allie McDeal, who's one of our celebrity Allie's bounties as well, she told me she goes, you know, the first year she goes, you know, you can't win your own tournament. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then she knocked me out. So it, it all worked out. Very good. All right, Mark K from uh, WAPE WOKV. Uh, nice job with this, man. Hey, good thanks. To be thanks for having us out. Oh, but anytime you guys are welcome, and thanks for saving me some sushi. I'm oh. eating Austin seaweed salad yeah, before he gets back you, here. You're, you're invited. <laughs> um, you better hurry up and run before he hits you for it. Uh, <laughs> uh, make sure to check out this uh, in years to come if you're not in part of it uh, this time around. Kay's Kids, uh, Bart Kay, and uh, the Action News Jacks and, and Cox Media family uh, as well. They'll be out here with uh, some of the personalities. Austin Lane's playing. Coos is playing. So good luck tonight in poker. Jeff, I'm, Jeff, I'm talking behind my back for the past couple minutes. It, it's not really behind your back because yeah. you're like right here. Hey, I just know we're out in public, so you won't hit me. I'm gonna be honest, man. I was gonna bring you to the gym and teach you some stuff in MMA. Yeah, not anymore because if you don't have the coordination to put two sticks together and use them to eat with chopsticks, can't do it. You don't have the coordination to put your hand in front of your face and throw a punch. So sorry, I might not. But sorry. I, I can't do that. And I don't even. I've. I can't even say I've tried very often. Well, I'm I mean, just hey. like. You know what? There's this thing called a fork. Why would Brent, I wrestle with two sticks? Can we get, Brent, we're trying to go worldwide. Can we get a little culture? Please, Brent. Oh, man, I feel like sometimes I'm, like, running the show sometimes. It's crazy. i got to be careful what I say, but yeah. I'll be more cultured if our ratings go up okay. in other parts of the world. Just, just you know. I'll just say that. I'm just going to say expand your horizons, Brent. And I wonder what our ratings what? are like in Malaysia right now. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I'm sure they're waiting for staying your lane, but uh, unfortunately, yeah. we're not going to get to it again. It's hey, all good, the though. The good news is Austin hasn't had to do homework for staying your lane in a week. Oh, no, man. We haven't run it. Those archives are nice and dusty, just waiting to get swiped off. It's all good, though. I'm we'll not complaining. break it out tomorrow along with our celebrity six-pack of picks. And apologies uh, yeah, to Matt Damon. <laughs> and apologies to Matt Damon. Scott, exactly. thanks for helping out. Coos as well. For Austin Lane, I'm Brett Martineau. I uh, hope you guys have a lot of fun here at Best Bet Jacksonville. Thanks for uh, hosting us today. Sushi was awesome. Fries were good. Fantastic. And you guys have fun at the Celebrity Poker event tonight. Raising we will. money for Dreams Come True. That is a good cause. I'll see you at Jaguars All Access tonight, 7 o'clock on Fox 30 at Mellow Mushroom in Avondale. Thanks for listening, everybody.